going to ruin the Disney magic for a second. I'm sorry. Ten toes down, boys. We're in for a good one. <laughs> well said. All right, my friends, it's Social Q&A Live. That's an epically hard to pronounce name. It is. And then dive into your questions around dating. This much is fucking good. Social dynamics, relationships. That's like a shot of a dick. Yo, what's good, my friends? It's Adam here. And welcome to the Social Q&A Live audio strip taken directly from the YouTube live streams, which are currently going down each week, Monday mornings, 10 a.m. Australian Central Time. I'd love to have you in the live sesh. These days, they've turned into these full-on classes. You know, we call them podcasts, but they're really classes in which that I throw questions back and forward with the live viewers and we get the personal context of each person in there. And everyone just seems to grow a lot more nowadays because of it. I love it. Uh, Anything on the world of human interactions, what we cover could be dating, relationships, social dynamics, family relationships, business relationships, things going down in high school, uni, anything that touches the world of these human beings, we seem to touch in social Q&A. So head over to the Bowl YouTube channel and I'll catch you guys currently on Monday mornings. Now, if you guys would like to receive a quick sip each week, just a free email right in your inbox, updating you on what went down on social Q&A live this week, the recap, what other videos went out, what other awesome things are going on in the world? What other additions to the resources of wisdom in terms of books, films, docos, anime, quotes, music, all the things that get added to the resource of wisdom? I update you through this email so you never miss out on any of that. And also it's just a way of me staying connected with you guys in between our live sessions together. So go ahead if you are interested. Every Friday, I send it out. It's free. Boldojo.com. Sign it up. By the way, if you feel like you have not received your email on the Friday, just check your promotions folder in Gmail or your junk spam folder if you're using anything else uh, because it's likely in there. Even when I receive my own email, it still gets every day to get put in promotions. Now, for those of you who are looking to dive into some deeper educational content and level up your performance in this life, we can pick up the guided meditation, Eternal Energy, over on boldojo.com, featuring five tracks that will help you to dive deeper into who you are and evolve beyond. All the reviews have said that it's something that they constantly come back to, that it's something that they will work through and that it's more of a course than an actual guided meditation. Many have also said, Adam, why are you not charging what it's worth? Many have said, I was willing to pay $100 for this and it's because I wanted to make it as accessible as possible. So that it's there if you are the type of person who is aware and conscious enough to want to look at yourself for all that you are and improve so. Got a meditation, eternal energy. Go get you some. Also, send me a review once you're done as well. I'd love to hear your feedback. Now, moving up from there, if you would like to dive into one-on-one coaching in which that we destroy your limiting beliefs and construct real action plans to help you perform in your life, whether it be purpose, physical, mental, or social development, anything that touches the temple. Even if you want to go up to the inner garden and dive into real ideas of your existence, we can go there as well. I often do. However, it's completely customizable to you. We have one-off sessions. You can go to boldoja.com, book a once-off over 30, 45, or 60 mins, just test the waters, and that'll give you a vibe for it. However, if, and what I do recommend, if you're serious about your development, you can dive into the bold coaching memberships, in which there are three different tiers, silver, gold, and diamond, which offer different levels of benefits that once-offs 
definitely do not get, such as priority messaging. If you wish to have access to my private WhatsApp number and get a response from me within 24 hours outside of Australian weekends, you're going to have to be on a membership for that. And that's something that my clients benefit from tremendously and use tremendously. Also, if you want to step up another level of membership and want to get priority bookings, for those of you who don't live in Australia and struggle to get your time slot in, maybe you're two, three weeks out on the waiting list, well then priority bookings are there to ensure that you get your time preferred slot and that you get booked in over lower tier memberships and once-offs. Now, I'll be here all day if I have to describe every benefit of every tier. So if you are interested, just go to boldoja.com. In the products menu, you can find Bold Coaching memberships and you can dive in yourself. If you have any questions, just slide me an email. There are contact email forms on pretty much every page of the website and we can work it out from there if you are truly committed to developing yourself. Moving forward, if you would like to directly support this podcast, you can do so in two ways, either by going to boldojo.com directly. In the Boldojo podcast menu on the homepage, there is a direct donate link that goes straight through the website if you want to use your credit card, for example. However, if you would like to go through PayPal because that's your uh, that's your shit, <laughs> sure, fine. Doesn't bother me. PayPal as well. PayPal.me forward slash A-D-A-M O-O-I. My full name, Adam Ui. You can donate through PayPal directly as well. Either way, whatever you guys do donate to help support the show. Uh, I know a lot of you like to donate live in the live social Q&As. That's also most appreciated. However you want to do it, it just, it all goes to supporting this, this awesome thing we've got going on between you and I. So I thank you for anything that you have donated or will donate in the future. It really does mean the world to me. Thank you very much. Now, of all that being said, Let's finally dive into social Q&A live. Yes, sir. Let's go. Emotionally? Sure, emotionally. <laughs> Episode 72, Nanajuni Ban, dating advice for the social hard case. My friends, today is going to be inspirational. Inspirational at the absolute minimum for those that just struggle in the world of dating, relationships, the world of human interaction. Maybe you're a virgin coming into this. Maybe you've had no sexual experience. Maybe you just don't get it. You just don't get it when a girl's interested in you or what to do when you're interested in a girl. You're in the bar, you're on the street, you know you've got to go say something, but for the life of you, because you're such a hard case, and we're going to get into the definition. What is a hard case? What is a soft case? What is the best case? Social incompetence. We've got so much to dive into today. We've got a direct featured story from a not too young, not too young of a guy getting near 30 who is a virgin and has been diagnosed with Asperger's. What if you're someone with Asperger's? What if you're someone with a development, a developmental disorder, a personality disorder, a neurological disorder in which that you just can't perceive social cues on the same level as the average human being? What if you're just the type of guy who bombed his own social dynamics? A la my story. What if you started off somewhere in the middle? Maybe you were socially competent coming up, but then now because you got too addicted to isolation, grinding on your business, grinding on your fitness, grinding on something, and you just neglected all of the world of socializing for five, 10 years, whatever it's been, and now you're going to go out. Maybe you just broke up with your ex. So many different angles, so many different ways you could come into social hard casery. Today, we are going to discuss all of these things in this live Q&A, the final episode of season six. I thank all of you that are here with me right now. If you did make it live, uh, we're doing it four hours later than usual. Go ahead and number one, drop a thumbs up on this video down below to help support the channel. That'd be most appreciated. Get the video sent out to the rest of the community. Say hi to me in the chat. If you're here in this live chat, make sure you have a profile picture. Otherwise, I will not read out your comments. Go on to Gmail, just update it. 
and uh, say hi to me in the chat. Let me know where you're from, what's going on. And we've got just inspirational. Today is going to be inspirational at the minimum because I've spent the better part of the last six years coaching hard cases. The majority of my clients fit within the spectrum, which we'll get to the spectrum to help you guys diagnose yourselves. We'll get to that, but the most of the people I've dealt with, especially on bootcamp, one-on-one, have been in the social hard case scale of the spectrum. So, we've got two people up in this chat already. We've got Kakashi Hadake coming in saying, let's do this. Ikimashoka. Thank you for being here, Kakashi. It's been a while. Haven't seen you in ages. Justin H is also up in here saying, let's get it with the flex. Been a legit two months since I've been able to tune into a live session. It has been a long time, Justin. Has been a long time since you've been here. He also says audio is good and video is looking extra crisp today. Adam. (laughs) Thank you, Justin. Thank you for the audio and vid check. And just great to have you here, my man. So before I get to the featured story, actually, let me, I'll give you the contents for today. So we've got the featured story to get 29 year old virgin has Asperger's. We've got a very specific story. There's a date story within that. He's going on a day through day three with a woman. There's some mindsets we're going to get into. We're going to challenge you guys on some stuff there. And there's definitely some hard casery going on in there. And then also, I just want to get an overall general what to do if you are a social hard case when it comes to particularly romance, when it comes to dating, when it comes to sexual interaction, how best to swing that hammer, because it's certainly not the same way I would recommend anyone on the scale above a social hard case would swing that hammer. That's what we're going to get. Then we'll get open Q&A at the end. So this is a time where you guys can bring any questions that you have in the world of human interaction. And we'll get it later on an open Q&A. So if you've got other things, you want to talk about your life, you want to donate to the Super Chat, and uh, which is just donation to the channel, get your question bumped to the top, I'll give more time to it. There'll be time for that towards the end of the session. We've got the feature story to begin with. Without further ado, let's go. Fuck, on my phone. On my phone. So, as always, he will be, privacy will be maintained. Privacy will be maintained. He sent this to me about a week ago. So we're going to refer to him as X, as always, classic X. And X comes in with a huge email. Who sent, he sends it in via boldojo.com, which you guys can always send your emails to. He says this. I've seen, X says to me, I've seen a lot of your content about social dynamics, and I am one of those who lacks social dynamics. I am a 29-year-old Asian Australian in a certain major city in Australia. I withhold the city, but it is important to know his racial background. I always say the racial background. So he's 29 years old, Asian Australian in some major city in Australia. And I lack communication skills. I have a decent job to keep me stable, but I have to live further away from the major city because of this. I can speak to people, friends and co-workers at a superficial level, but when it comes to going a bit deeper, it is harder. I've always been classified as a weird person. I don't have much close friends and never had proper relationships in my life. Few have mentioned there is a possibility I might have mild Asperger's or ASD, uh, which I believe is just the autistic scale disorder, something autistic something scale disorder on the spectrum of autism is what he's saying, which to get diagnosed would be cost and time investment to gain a perspective on my communication behaviors. I saw a counselor about my psychological issues and she might think I have none or a mild level of ASD, autism spectrum. Autism spectrum disorder, I believe is what that ASD stands for. He then goes on to say, my local GP doesn't think so, 
But I did see about these social dynamic challenges to make one a better person. Uh, I'm thinking about whether I should undertake these challenges to see what could come about or just pay a psychologist to get some perspective on my communication. I don't know yet how these sessions would really benefit me as a person. That's the first part of his background, his background story. Now he's going to separate the email into a particular date story with a woman he's currently seeing. So he goes on to say, second topic is that I met and went on this date with a girl from Hinge, the app, dating app Hinge. Yes, sorry, not from cold approach in brackets. It's hard for me to do them solo sometimes in brackets. Anyways, we get a long, we get, I think he means we we had a long first date or day two which led to some nice conversations, investment really, and a bit of close contact slash keynote here or there, shoulder to shoulder, hand holding, bear hugs, head leaning. The vibes were amazing. I never felt these sparks and vibes with her. I think he means before. I think I've never, I think his English is not the best here. He says, I've never felt these sparks and vibes with her and I never felt this excitement that I felt before. There we go. I did not kiss her at all as we were sitting in a ground above level of a kid's playground full of families, kids and adults in the daytime. But we had a awesome deep bear hug before we left. We plan to see each other again, have dinner and visit the playground again at night with definitely less people under the cold night. I know I saw the day three podcasts that I made about having a small event, then taking her back to a place to be in sync as one in brackets, her heart rate with yours and get a better bond in brackets. But because I have not kissed her yet, should I just kiss her on the second date slash the day three and leave it at that? Or somehow magically try to get those two things done on the same night? And I think what he means there is both kiss her for the first time and also take her back to his place to get heart rate in sync, create a deeper connection and a deeper bubble and really get to know each other in that way. He's contemplating the question is, should I do both on the same date or to separate them into different dates? We'll get to that later. He then goes on to say, I know it depends on how things go with the interaction and what she wants out of it. In brackets, she wants someone who can vibe well and take them back home. Not, that doesn't really make sense. I think, I think he means take her back home. Uh, not sure if that is a good time or a long time. <laughs> uh, I really want to go deeper, but at the same time, I know I don't want to lose her. I never want to lose her. That one artist effect. Thanks. Signed his name. Yes, sir. Okay. So we've got two things going on here. Let's just get the summary on that story. We've got a 29-year-old male, Asian Australian, some major metropolitan city in Australia. He's been classified as a weird person. I'm not sure if all his life he's been classified as a weird person, but at this stage in life, being classified as a weird person. Uh, He struggles to get beyond the surface level with people. I asked a host of follow-up questions, contextual questions, but he's been to a counsellor, not a proper psychologist yet, but a counsellor who has conjectured that he might have Asperger's, mild form of Asperger's. And so he's reached out to me to ask whether he should take on the social challenges, which we'll get into in a second, and you know walk the journey of cold approach and learning to evolve yourself in relation to others through cold social dynamics. And he's also got a date situation he just wants some tactics on. Which actually, it's all going to build together. But I obviously had to ask a lot more follow-up questions as to his social history. You guys know in social Q&A, we dive deep. I want to know his sexual experience. I want to know everything that could possibly play a part here. So I asked him a whole bunch of contextual questions. He got back to me. 
Question number one was, how deep is your sexual experience regarding how many sexual penetration partners have you had that went the full way whole play? And if not, fill me in with the rest of the details. And he goes on to say, zero. I said it before at the beginning of the session, he's a virgin. So he's had zero sexual experience. He didn't even say anything low level either. That was before sexual penetration. You know, sometimes when virgins send in stories for social Q&A live, they've had a host of, you know, fingers, maybe a little bit of blowjob action, a little bit of make out here and there. But he's saying zero, just plain one word, zero sexual experience. This is very key to keep in mind because he's 29 years old. Now, while 29 years old is not very old for a human being in terms of sexual development, it is very old. So considering that his sexual hormones turned on at roughly anywhere between 13 to 15 years old. So keep that in mind. Move on to the next question. When was your last serious relationship or any other type of committed relationship you've had? He says never. So he's never had a relationship before. Never had sex before. Never had a relationship before of any kind. Whether closed and locked, open and free, hasn't had any. Third question, how much experience do you have practicing cold approach slash day in the night? Uh, Please be specific. Day or night, be specific. He goes, a few times within months. It's hard balancing a full-time job and living in a suburb, which is a bit, the suburb's about 40 minutes, maybe half an hour, 30, 40 minutes outside of the major city. It's not that far away from the city. It's not like he's in the rural farmlands. Like he's only 40 minutes, I'll say maximum. Uh, okay, so basically he's saying that he has very little cold approach experience in general. And then question four, I said, what is your goal socially? You know, you mentioned the social challenges and I assume you're referring to the 30-day challenge or action blocks that I give clients. If so, why do you want to engage these challenges and what do you intend to achieve? He says, my goal is to become someone better and new gain a more competent level of social skills and be able to vibe with people better in life rather than just staying at home and living next to my computer screen. Question number five. I say, why do you wake up in the morning? What's your purpose in life? He says, my purpose in life is to help others make people feel better and trust me with my profession. Importantly, be a better me every day. And he went on to say, sorry if these answers are vague, my development has been slow. No, actually, uh, that that ends his that ends the context. Not vague at all. Actually, quite specific. I was I would say less than vague, just short, because your experience is less, very little. So, let's get a summary on those on his experience. And now that you guys got the full story, this is where things really start to become real and become very juicy at the same time, and give us a lot to dive into. Because he's twenty nine years old, Asian Australian background, has no sexual experience whatsoever. Not even at all. So he didn't even give me the idea that he's had like a bit of rough housing, a little bit of, uh, you know, rough and tumbling with a few girls. He just said plain, plain and simple zero. Zero sexual experience means he's definitely a virgin. Also zero experience in for a relationship. He's never had a full-time, full-time. He's never had a closed and locked relationship or an open and free relationship. And so when you put his social history in with now, the fact that, he may have a mild form of Asperger's and he may also, well, not even may also, he's also been classified as a weird person. He just doesn't in general connect with people and that he never gets beyond the surface level of people. I didn't ask what his social circle is like, but I think we can take a guess. I think we can uh, take a pretty, uh, pretty easy guess that it's probably not very deep and rich or wide ranging and illustrious. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some virgins that I have met that do have very good social circles and just don't know how to put forward and apply their sexual energy. That's definitely a possibility. I just don't get that vibe here. So, okay. Now we're going to, I know we actually, I probably should have, I just want to get straight into this story because the story is the fucking story. Uh, but just hang on a second. I know it's getting dark. Uh, the story is the story, and that, that's what's going to ground this entire podcast. I just want to catch up with some of you guys in the chat before we move to the next section. We've got Norman Onesto up in here saying, it's good to pay for information. What's up, Adam? Yes. I'm not, I'm not sure what you're referencing there, but listen, if it's high-quality information, for sure. And uh, Will ah, Will is also up in here. Will is up in here saying, hey, sorry I'm late. Excited for the sesh. Thanks for being here, Will. And if you guys are just joining the session right now and you haven't yet, please drop a thumbs up on the video down below. That'd be most appreciated. Say hi in the chat. So we're going to be talking about in general. So we've got a grounded story here. We've got the 29-year-old virgin story, but we've also got the larger topic of just general advice, dating advice for social hard case. We need to just take a break from the story and just define what is hard case. What am I referring to when I say hard case? If you've been following my content for any modicum of time, you'll hear me in almost every podcast reference this scale. From zero to 10, zero being the absolute hard case of hard cases, 10 being the natural of all naturals, five being the average dude in the middle or girl, average person in the middle. But we can be more specific with that now that we're actually doing a full podcast on social hard casery and being a social hard case. So we look at that scale of zero to 10, zero to three, that's social hard case land. That is social hard case if you are zero to three. And we'll get more into specifics of what that looks like in a second. But then you look at four to seven, four to seven on the scale is social soft case. Because you might think, what is average? Average can is not just five. There's obviously four, five, six, seven, and there's a spectrum within average social skills, but it ranges between four to seven, a social soft case. Then on the top echelon of that scale of that spectrum, eight to 10 being the social best case, which is when you start to get into natural land. We can get even more specific than that. Social hard case, what does that really mean? Zero to three means socially incompetent. If you are socially incompetent, it means that it takes you much longer to learn social skills than the average human being. It takes you way longer. You have extreme difficulty with performing social skills, executing social skills. Push-pull, direct congruent authentic, intent, eye contact, body language, vocals, vibe. We could go all day with these things. Your execution of social skills, if you are socially hard case, is particularly poor. And to the fact where, depending on whether you're somewhere between zero to three, whether you can do them at all, a three can maybe attempt, but a zero probably just can't even do them at all. And I have seen a zero one time. Then, so that's what socially incompetent is. Socially incompetent people that are socially hard case, like that's, we'll just block them together as social hard cases. So it takes them a long time to learn social skills. They can't execute them very well. What else are they very poor at? Reading social cues. If you're a social hard case, you are particularly poor at receiving and interpreting and reading those cues. So when you're standing in front of an attractive woman and she's giving you a pull move, aka she's taking energy away from you while commuting direct intent, saying that I like you, but you can't have it right now. Reading that cue, the social hard case just straight over the head. He's not going to understand that when she says, listen, you think you're, you think you're so cool? You think you're so cool? You can't get this? She's like, well, a social hard case would listen to that and go, oh, well, I guess I better give up. Yeah. 
And he would just walk off because he heard her say something negative in a pulling away energy, a pull move. If you guys want to know more about push and pull, I've got a foundational podcast on that we did about four weeks ago or something. You can go more deeper into there, but a social hard case would not be able to discern between a push and pull move. It wouldn't be able to read the signal that she's giving. A social hard case is not going to be able to read when a woman is giving him a yellow light versus a green or a red. You know, the, he won't be able to discern yellow. It's very easy to tell what a green or a red is, but social acuity lies in what's a yellow. And what a yellow very simply is, is that I'm just not ready right now. I could be, if you give me more time, build some more trust, build some more comfort, develop the empathy for that, hold your frame as a masculine being, I could be ready. We're talking about progressing sexually. We're talking about progressing out of a venue. We're talking about just progressing and leading an interaction in general. You know, a woman's not always going to give you a green or a red light. A lot of the times it's going to be yellow. And you can actually damage a woman's confidence by treating a yellow as a red. Social hard case will not understand what this means. They just can't read it. It's, it has to be black and white for them. Social nuance falls on deaf ears of social hard cases. So let's wrap that back up there. If you're zero to three on the scale of zero to 10, 10 being absolute natural socially, and we'll get to that in a second, what that means socially. But if you're somewhere between zero to three, and I've just described what that means, that's how you're going to be able to in this session know, okay, where am I? Where am I? And I want you guys who are here live in the session, as I'm going through this to try and pin yourself. I know a lot of you have been through the journey of social dynamics and you can think about where did I start? Where am I now? If you're listening to this for the first time and you're an absolute beginner, where am I falling on the scale of social set point and social skills? So socially incompetent, zero to three, social hard case, that's the block. Now we move up four to seven. And what we're doing right now, guys, is just getting an understanding foundations of the scale of social skill set. Because we need to understand that before we go into the story of the 29-year-old virgin who has Asperger's or potentially. So four to seven is what I call social soft case. This is where the average is. Now, if you're a four or a seven, are vastly different. Four or seven is vastly different, but it's still not in the land of natural. It's still not in the land of what we're going to get to on the top end of the scale. Social soft case, four to seven, is just socially competent. If you're zero to three socially incompetent, four to seven now, you're becoming socially competent. And as you move up the scale of social competence, obviously your competence gets better. A seven is obviously a lot better than a four. But what does that look like? It looks like that you can discern what a green, yellow, and red light looks like in terms of social skills. You can execute social skills, not to the greatest degree. It's definitely not unconscious, but you can competently put forward your intent, hold eye contact, sit down deep and ground your vocals, relax your body under pressure, that you can feel comfortable in a vast array of social situations, that your execution is competent. It's good. People want to be around you. You don't have a huge problem or issue of making friends that it's an easy thing for you to just embrace a social situation, which of course for socially incompetent, hard cases, it's not. It's an absolute battle. That's a social self case. Moving on from there, that's four to seven. Now when you took up, take up the top end, top echelon of the scale, eight to 10 social best case, aka natural land, aka socially unconsciously competent, for short, socially uncomp. If you're socially uncomp, what that means is you're straight natural. It means that you now know you're so good at social skills that you don't have to think about them. That not only is it your performance is at the highest level, which of course you see in reflection. What that means, how would, how would you know that your performance is on the highest level without having a coach tell you? That people naturally are attracted to you. 
that you, they, people just seem to hit you up. That when you're out of the bar, you're at the club, you might say a word, you might just be at the bar next to a woman, you might say, hey, but then all of a sudden she's deep on you. Obviously, you walk into the bar and you walk past the bouncer and he wants to shake your hand. The way that you look at people, the energy that you carry, the energy that you walk around with that says that I'm a completely at peace with myself. People who are social best cases are completely at peace. They're completely at peace, one, because they don't give a shit. They don't give a fuck, right? If you look at any of your most natural friends socially, key, key factor, they give little fucks, zero fucks given, and they're at peace with that. They don't mind that they will piss people off. Social best cases have people that love them and have people that hate them. They're polarizing. And that's, that's the only way you'll ever get someone to love you is that you're just so direct, congruent, and authentically real with yourself that people who aren't about that life are going to get turned off by it. But the people who are turned on by it are turned on by it hard. So their performance is at such a level if you're in the social best case your performance is such a level that you attract people to you. You don't have to think about what you do. You don't have to think about when you engage someone, you just engage. You don't think about your eye contact. You don't think about your vocals. You don't think about your body. You don't even, wouldn't even conceive intent for a second. And if any of my natural friends were listening uh, to this podcast and for the last five, six years of doing this podcast, my natural friends have listened to this stuff and gone, Adam, why would anyone need to learn this? I've been saying this since the beginning of the podcast. We're like 200 some episodes in. I've been saying this from the beginning. I have many natural friends that will listen in for a moment, particularly when they weren't live sessions, and they'll come back and say, Adam, this is all good shit. You seem to get very passionate about it, but do people really not get this? Like, How is it that guys don't seem to get that when you bring a woman back to your place, you don't rush it? Like, Just enjoy the moment. And I'm like, I know, I know, but- that's no good for a social hard case who can't receive and perceive social cues. You're a social best case. So of course, it makes sense to you that when you come home, you're not going to rush towards sex because you're at peace with yourself. You don't give a shit. You don't need her. You have many options. You're very abundant. You're loving life. So it makes sense that it doesn't make sense to you. So that's what a social best case is going to, on a natural, if they were God-given, born-given, from birth, had natural uh, social dynamics invested within them, particularly with their conditioning through their parents as well. You know, it's a combination of two things. What, how does someone become a natural? How does someone become a best case? Well, if they're born of it, it means that, number one, the absence of a neurological development disorder, but then the presence of conditioning and an environment that would foster extreme social dynamics. Naturals always have natural parents. Naturals have natural siblings. They have friends. They were surrounded in that environment. They grew up through that environment. Okay. So that's eight to 10. Now, also, I just have one thing I'll pin up there. What, what else do naturals do very well or social best cases? Eight to 10 do very well. They receive and perceive the social cues at a level that is matrix without knowing matrix. It's like they're operating as if they know the matrix, but they don't. And what that means is when a woman is upset with them or when a woman is pushing on him or pushing on her, depending, because this applies to both men and women. But I know the majority of you listening right now are males and also the 29-year-old virgin who we'll discuss in a second is, of course, a male. So I will direct examples towards him. He receives the cues and just acts upon them. Whereas if you're social soft case, you would say be there here on the couch and maybe you're watching The Lion King. And when you put your arm around her, that she snugged in a little closer to you and started rubbing the inside of your leg. A social soft case, say he's about a four or five, 
not not a seven, but maybe a four or five, he's going to have to think about what that means, what to do next. Okay, she's rubbing my leg. She snugged in a little bit closer to me. A social soft case, the average on social skill set scale, he's going to have to think about what do I need to do here? What does this mean? Particularly if he's lower towards four and five. Social hard case is going to run that like a hamster. It's going to be not only what, what the hell am I supposed to do, but won't do anything about it and may not even recognize that it is even a signal at all and not even just, just do nothing about it. So that's where you see the spectrum. And then when you see the natural, the best case, social best case, he'll put his arm around her, she'll snug in, she'll rub the inside of his leg, and he'll just go in to make out of her. Or he'll go in and start rubbing her leg. He'll respond in a way that is the matrix without knowing the matrix in the sense that he just does. He gets it on point every time. There's no mistakes. There's no potential for a mistake because everything is so naturally grounded in that I know what I'm doing and I'm confident in it. There, my friends, is the spectrum. Just to recap there, 0 to 10, 0 to 3 being social hard case, 4 to 7 being social soft case, 8 to 10 being social best case. Social incompetence, social competence to socially uncompetently, uh, unconsciously competent, uncomp. It's hard to say quickly. But socially uncomp is best natural. So, my friends, if you're here in the live session, feel free to drop in the chat where you think you are or if you're a little bit further in the journey, where you felt like you started and maybe now where you are as a result of your social dynamics. Who have we got up in this chat? We got, we got Norman saying, oh, let's go. Zero to 100. That's right, sir. Trackman comes in saying, oh, fuck, that's what happens to me, socially blind. Hey. Thanks for sounding that off, Track. And you're going to learn a lot today, for sure. Uh, Norman then comes in saying, Schrodinger's Asperger's. Great point on social best cases being polarizing. Yeah, you either love them or you hate them. And listen, if you're, if you're someone who's practicing social dynamics and you're aspiring to enter this, the 8 to 10 range of social skill set, which is socially, unconsciously competent, you're going to piss some people off. You will. You go out, you go out, you meet 70 to 100 people. Good chances that... At least 10% of the people you meet out, if you meet 100 people in one night, uh, at least 10% are probably going to hate you. Uh, not to the point where, of course, they're going to do anything about it, like do anything to you, but they're just not going to like your energy because you're just so uh, confident in yourself that you're not going to break at any point. Some people, they're looking for you to break. And <laughs> anyways, we're getting off at a tangent there. We're getting tangents there. So anyways, moving on. Kakashi comes in saying, ah, the first person to put in his own level. Kakashi comes in saying, I'm at least level four, I think. Yeah. yeah. You could be teetering somewhere between there, uh, Kakashi, but what that tells me is that you're teetering between social hard case and social low soft case. And we're going to get the fix. We're going to definitely get towards the end of this uh, podcast. Uh, the general instruction, once we handle our man here, X, we will get to how to take yourself up in the scale of social skill set for sure. Uh, let me just, but and Benji Solis is also up in here giving me the shaka. Good to have you here, Benjo. Guys, just let me know if it's getting too dark. I feel like that's too dark. I feel like, that. I feel like it's getting pretty dark, actually. Is that all right? Is that a lot better? Or is that too bright? No, I think it's good. No, that's one. That's one. Let's just take Just one. Just chill out, guys. Chill out. <laughs> okay, here we go. That's much better. Okay, so. Now that we have an understanding of the uh, social skill set scale, let's go back to the story here. 
Let's go back to our man. Let's get the recap. We got, oh, actually, just before we do, we've got someone else who's just brought in his own level as well. Uh, Norman says, working retail, the people wanting you to break is a very real thing. <laughs> yeah, truth. I used to also work retail as well. Uh, I guess you mean. Benji comes in saying, haha, dude, I think I've started at a four to now being a five or six. I'm able to compare to how I used to be to a new flow of the moment of whatever happens instead of constantly analyzing it. Lol. That's dope. That's dope, man. That's good. Listen, you, if, you're, if you're growing, whether it's only one or two points, it's better than you used to be. All right. That's awesome, man. Justin H then comes in saying, I feel like I'm at a six. Definitely started off at three or four back when I first started in 2017. Yes, Justin. Yes, that's again. That's awesome, bro. So what a six is, is a social soft case, which means uh, he is competent at social skills. Not as competent as he could be, but you know, he's having a good time. He can read social skills. He can execute social skills and he can... Uh, have a good time around people in general, social environments. So let's get to the story. Let's get back to the story. I want to recap because I read this out. I kind of, I should have probably done this in reverse, but actually I just wanted to get the story. So here we go. We've got our 29-year-old now who sent in an email. 29-year-old male, Asian Australian, some major city in Australia, referred to him as X. No sexual experience at all. Complete virgin, hasn't given me any ideas of anything else that he's done on an even lower level. So let's just say zero sexual experience, zero relationships, and potentially thinks that he has Asperger's. A counselor has alluded to the fact that he might be somewhere on the autistic spectrum uh, scale and the autismic autism scale, yet he has not had it psychologically diagnosed. So there are two parts to his email. Two parts to his email. The first part is really to do with, should I even be doing cold approach? Should I even embrace the swinging of the hammer, as I always describe it as, of learning about yourself in relation to others through cold social dynamics? That's the first part of his question. The second part is to do with the date. So let's just nail it. Oh, what should we begin with? Should we begin with? No, no, we'll begin with, we'll take the date later. We'll take the date. Oh, fuck, fuck, fuck me. Because the date is super juicy. No, the date we'll get to after because we can just handle this right off the bat. So, because I can also apply this to everyone else here, which is that, X, you're asking me, should you be doing these social challenges? Should you go out on a 30-day challenge considering that you're 29 years old, you have no sexual experience, never had any sexual relationships, even on a commitment-based level, that you have very minimal cold approach experience in general? And that a counselor has told you that you might have mild Asperger's. People label you as weird. And that you in general can't get beyond the surface level. If you're not, by the way, X is not one of my clients. Often a lot of these podcasts are sent in by my clients. Last week was for my client. This week, I don't know who this person is. I've never met this person before. Never spoke to him, never worked with him before. However, I would treat this as if this is our first session together in a way and say this, which is that if you're coming to me, I will not tick off on you going out to do cold social dynamics in the day without seeing video and clear crystal audio first. As in, I will not send you into a deep 30-day challenge, action blocks across four weeks, doing three days on, meeting 10 people every single day for three days back to back. I'm not going to send you into any deep block of cold social dynamics until I see video and audio of at least, I would say probably 10 interactions just on one day, just on one day. 
The reason for this is that, because obviously I, I work with people in person prior to COVID, flow around the world, boot camps in London, New York, Toronto, other different cities of Australia. I like to work with people one-on-one. However, that's not always possible. So I work with them through info breakdowns that we do via Skype. And I've had to do this before X where based on how a certain person presented themselves, that I could tell that they had either a neurological development disorder or a personality disorder at a minimum, whether that's narcissism, whether that's bipolar, whether that's split identity syndrome, whether that's Asperger's on the neurological. You know, I've got a lot of clients. I've worked with a lot of people that have had low-level cases of Asperger's. I've worked with some people that had actually pretty severe cases of Asperger's to the point where they have key workers, they have uh, someone who has to look after them professionally at least to help them get jobs and, and whatnot. So I have a lot of experience with this and I do the same thing for all of them, which is that I need to check off that how intense your social development disorder is. I need to understand to what level can you even respectfully complete a cold approach? Can you go out to a woman on the street, stop her in a way that is respectful, direct, congruent, authentic, that's not going to infringe uh, on her personal space, that's not going to piss her off, that's going to piss other people off around you? Because if you're socially incompetent, a social hard case, which is zero to three, the intent isn't the issue. Listen, I know that if, if you're coming out to me, if you're reaching out to me, if you're a social hard case reaching out to me, I know that your intent is not to be this fucking red pill, fuck, fuck bitches, get money type guy that's just trying to fuck women over and try to see how many lays he, lays he can get. I know that if you're coming to me, you've been pushed hard away from that direction because all of my content is the complete opposite of that. Right? My content is all about being respectful, direct, congruent, authentic, always. So if you're coming to me, I know that you don't want to do cold approach because you're just trying to get laid. As he said, I asked him, what was his goal socially? He said, Chotto. <laughs> he said that I just want to become competent in social skills. I want to be able to vibe with people better in life than just stay at home and live next to my computer screen. Also that he wakes up to be a better person and to help other people. So I, this guy's a... By all accounts, just based on some words, he's not the worst of guys. I don't know how good he is, but he's not the worst of guys. His intent is not that far off. However, that actually doesn't make a lot of difference for social hard cases when it comes to executing social skills. Because regardless of the intent, you can still fuck up an approach just through the tactics. And so the woman still comes off with a sour taste in her mouth and feeling like, well, this is just I hate it when guys do this, when I get approached up poorly, when I get approached poorly. So even if your heart's in the right place, X, this is what I'm saying. Again, back to Even if your heart's in the right place, you could still be stopping her, approaching her in a way that's, disres- that's just pissing her off as disrespectful, not because you're trying to, but just because you are so unrefined because you can't perceive social skills, you don't read the social cues, you don't have social savviness, you're not drilled in social nuance that you can still make the same mistakes that lead to the end result of the woman not having a good time, which is why as a coach, I cannot check off and sign off on you going into a 30-day challenge or any deep action blocks, particularly in the day, without first seeing what you can do and what you're like. For example, I have a client in the US, uh, West Coast US, who I had to do this for, where he told me that he had low-level Asperger's 
and he wanted to do a 30-day challenge in the day, however cold approach in the day, however he wanted my guidance. And I said, well, the only way you're going to get my guidance is if you can get someone to film you, mic up, film you, send me your infills, let me break them down, and I will check off whether you are doing it to the minimum degree that I believe a cold approach in the day should be done, which is respectful, direct, congruent, authentic, and just all around just being a good fucking bloke about it. Right? We can get scientific, we can also get lag with it. So he sent me his infield. And what am I looking for when I see that? Also just noticing TrackMan just put in saying, how do you assess that? How do I assess someone's being respectful, direct, congruent, authentic? Good question, Track. So when I'm looking at this client's infield to be able to know whether I can check off is that first off, I'm looking at physical space. When you stop someone on the street, in a mall, coffee shop, anywhere in public space that's not in a nightclub or not in a nighttime situation, the first thing you have to be respectful of is personal space. This is one thing that I've seen again and again of guys that do cold approach poorly is that they do not manage the space properly in which that when you do a direct stop, which is that if someone is directly walking straight in front, you need to give them ample space coming around in a circle-like motion that lands you in front of them several feet away so that they can walk into you. You don't walk into them so that they can walk into you. You give them so much space that they can clearly understand what's going on here. Guys that perform cold approach in a just heinous, just terrible, a cringeworthy way is that they come in like they chop the line. They chop the line. They, They run up from behind her and they cross in front of her and make her alter her walking path. And if you have to make a woman alter her walking path when you stop her on the street, you've already fucked it up. You have not maintained the the correct space. And listen, this is what I'm saying is that whether it's because you just don't give a fuck or whether it's because you're just so nervous, whatever the case is, it's still going to freak someone out. It's still going to make someone feel like you're attempting to rob them or you're attempting to do something shady. So first thing I'm looking for to know that you can respectfully stop someone. It's the first thing I teach on boot camp. The first thing, once we get past uh, the trial by fires, past we get through the uh, the pre-brief, the first thing I do with a client is that I take him off to the side and I just teach him on me. I demonstrate on him how to respectfully stop someone. So X, as you're listening to this, if you can give ample space in which that they have enough time to walk into you by the time that you've stopped, you're not encroaching on them, they didn't have to alter their walking line at all, that's respectful. Okay, give them plenty of space. Second thing I'm looking for is that when you go into your open, can you give them context and intent? Can you be upfront with them? How the hell did I get here and why the hell am I here? Oh, yo, excuse me, miss. I was literally just with my mate and I thought you looked beautiful. Sad to say, hey, my name's Adam. Now, I don't need you to be so socially competent because I know you're not, you're a social hard case to say with that level of groundedness to put the pauses, put the silence, hold the eye contact. That's what social competence is. What I'm looking for is just the two factors of context. How did you get there? And intent, why are you here? If you can do this, your qualification, investment, and close the other three stages of an interaction in the toolbox of social dynamics, they're going to be all over the shop. However, at a minimum, you are okay in my mind to practice social dynamics if you can respectfully stop someone and if you can tell them honestly how you got there and why you're there. Because those are the major issues with interactions going awry. 
the the major problems with interactions where a woman leaves it thinking like actually that was I'm not better off because of that or that actually I don't want someone to do that to me again that was really shit it always happens within the first 10 seconds right if you can nail the first 10 seconds everything else is chopped from there everything else like you might not do very well and she still might leave as a result of it but she's not going to leave because you made her feel bad if you're going to if you're going to fuck up an interaction badly it's going to happen in the first 10 seconds don't get me wrong you can also make mistakes really poorly in the close however not nearly as badly in the interaction if you've gotten to the close stage of the interaction you've done some pretty good stuff along the way so x as you're listening to this if you I'm giving this to you because I never asked Pete. I'm never going to tell you here. You've reached out to me for guidance. I'm not going to say to you, you have to book an infill breakdown of me. You don't even have to come to me as a coach. I'm saying I'm already giving you the tools right now, which is that if you want to embrace a 30 day challenge or action block, then you need to go ahead and get 10 interactions recorded. And out of those 10 interactions, at a minimum, at a minimum, all 10 of them should have a respectful stop with both in context and intent in the open. Even if you leave after that, that's well, it's not fine. But you know that wouldn't be the worst thing. That's what I'm looking for. However, however, past that point, what you do from there, that's where we need to get very specific. I'm going to take a pause here and just address some people in the chat. But that's my minimum criteria for someone to engage cold social dynamics in the day. The next question is: Does that apply in the night? And should someone with Asperger's even be approaching someone in the day versus the night? We've got a lot of stories to get. But just before we do, uh, deep on this social hard casery, read up some of these comments. By the way, if you guys are enjoying this sesh, drop a thumbs up on the video down below. It's most appreciated. By the way, shout out to all of my friends who are listening to this in post on the podcast. I'm with you. I'm here with you. Okay, W comes in, not W, Willow comes in saying next in the chat saying, sounds dumb, but I genuinely don't know where I'm at. I feel super confident once the interaction has been opened, probably like at least a seven, but approaching and closing, I'm probably a three to four. So Will, you've described a beautiful situation there, which is that you're confusing apples and oranges. What Will has said there when he says that I'm a super confident once I'm an interaction has already been opened, once I'm in it, but when it comes to actually opening and closing an interaction, I'm probably only a th- three to a four, which is basically socially incompetent. Will, when I say you're comparing apples and oranges there, what that means is that you can be an in general, natural, socially, unconsciously competent, so social best case, but you can still be very poor at cold approach. Many naturals, if I was to go out and just grab a handful of my natural friends and throw them into cold approach and just say, hey guys, we're just going to do a whole day of cold approach today, that would probably suck. That would probably suck versus some of my uh, clients who are maybe somewhere between four to seven social soft cases that have been drilling the particular skill set of cold approach because cold approach is a skill. You will not find naturals running around practicing cold approach. Why? Because they don't need to. Because not only through the leverage of social circle, but when they are out at night, Will, particularly at night, when they are at night in a bar, in a club, right? just their natural way of being, the energy that they hold, the way that they walk, just a glance from a natural pulls you in. 
So they naturally attract people towards them. And even if they do open the interaction, it's always unconscious. It's always just a, a slight, a random joke here or there, a random comment here or there. And But the way in which that they say it is just so sexually polarizing, boom, the person's in, drawn in. So what I'm saying here is that you can be uh, social best case, have social socially very competent skills, but not be very good at particularly social cold approach or the act of cold approach. Now, social best cases learn cold approach way faster than anyone else, right? Of course, they'll learn. If you teach them, if I get my natural friends, they will learn the art of social cold social dynamics very, very quickly. But off the bat, they're not going to be very good at it. No one is. It's like telling someone to hit home runs if they've never picked up a baseball bat before. Get me, get me some, some dweebs from the fifth grade that spend all their time in the books and tell them to go hit home runs. It's going to take my fucking lifetime. But if you get me some NFL all-stars who have never picked up a baseball bat, they're probably going to learn how to hit home runs very quickly just by the way of them being very naturally uh, accustomed to physical and sporting endeavors. Hope that makes sense, Will. Kakashi then comes in saying, I can definitely cold approach a woman in a respectful way, so I'm definitely at least a four. Outside of cold approach, I definitely have a good social circle. Well, then that, that's the way that you know that you can do it. Uh, if you can do it respectfully, for sure. Because, But also, don't get confused. There are some guys that can, I've seen this particularly in London, that like when I was there coaching boot camp, that you can be socially competent and still not be respectful. I don't get that confused. There are red pill guys who are very good at going out and meeting women, yet very disrespectful towards them. So don't get that idea confused. But that's a nuance. That's a nuance, not for now. Okay, so where was it going on right there? Okay, we've got to get to a lot more things to do here with our with our 29-year-old... X, we're going to get to his date story, what to do with this girl in a second. However, I gave him my instruction for going about and doing cold approach in the day. However, I didn't finish it. I took a break there to talk to some of you guys in the chat. Let me finish what I was saying there. Go ahead and vet whether you can respectfully approach someone in the day. That's minimum entry. That's minimum criteria. Then you need to send those interactions to a qualified coach doesn't have to be me. It has to be someone that has multiple years of experience, that has coached it in person around the world, and that can talk his shit for at least four to six hours straight on a live podcast. That's minimum criteria for a qualified coach. Any qualified coach should be able to do this without, as if they were sleeping, right? That's how you know that they're qualified, and as long as you trust them. It doesn't have to be me. And I'm sure there are other guys that can do that for sure. I know a couple of coaches that can do that for sure. So, you need to then send those interactions to that coach because of the third pillar of what I refer to as swinging the hammer of social dynamics. There are three keys to walking the path of social dynamics and swinging the hammer. Part one, relentless action. Part two, accurate feedback. Part three, sound guidance. The sound guidance for someone who potentially has a neurological development disorder, such as Asperger's, you must... Let me, take, let me just rewind one step. If you are anything above a zero to three, particularly high-end social soft case, so maybe five, six, or seven, not a four, but maybe five, six, seven, you, you would benefit tremendously from having sound guidance to be able to talk to a coach who can break down your interactions, particularly as if you're a little bit lower on the average scale of social skill set. 
However, it's not a prerequisite. I wouldn't say to someone who's a four, five, six, or seven that you must have sound guidance before going out and while you're going out. Like, don't go out unless you have a coach that you're working with. I would not say that to someone who's a social soft case. Social hard case, though, minimum requirement. If you're, if you've got no sexual experience, never had relationships before, you have almost no cold approach experience whatsoever, and that you potentially have Asperger's, I'm not, I'm not happy with you going out and approaching random cold people if you don't have a coach to course correct you, because your margin for error is so much smaller. The way that you could make a mistake and the fashion in which you could make a mistake because you don't perceive social cues at the same, at the minimum requirement of acuity that a general average human being does, you can make mistakes in a far more detrimental way. Let me give you an example. One of the hardest cases I've ever worked with. He got put in jail because of a mistake he made in his social dynamics going out at night. He's going out at night as well. Going out at night, he had to spend a night in jail because of what he did and had to fight and go through court because of it. I did an entire podcast on his story. It was one of the last Bordojo podcasts before we switched to social Q&A. Uh, he was a gentleman in the US and he was, a, he was a sweetheart. He was a sweetheart. He took a social exercise too far. It wasn't my social exercise. He got it from a different coach. This is well before we ever worked together. He was working with someone else well before me, and this was actually about a year or so before that we, he even came to me. But when he did come to me, he told me about the situation in which that he was out at night. And this guy, by the way, definitely was probably straight zero, straight zero. But I talk about zero to three. He was down there with the zero to ones. He went up to three or four women outside a bar somewhere in the US at nighttime. And he negged them with an opener, as in his words, he said to me, I negged them with an opener. I, I, I believe it was something to the degree of, do you, are you guys feminists? Or do you guys, you guys look a little bit like feminists? Something like that. There was something to do with the whole feminist vibe going through it. And they just lost the handle. They started, they beat him up, essentially. They started hitting him. And when the police came, he got in trouble that they told the they told the police that he was verbally assaulting them and that they were just defending themselves they completely flew off the handle they were completely in the wrong anyways he got put in jail for the night and uh, got a criminal record because of it all he was doing was trying to push trying to experiment with in his mind what his coach had given him negs opening people in a negative way he he just came across the wrong people. He didn't read the social cues. He pushed it a little too far. And as a result, an absolute firework, fireworks went off. That guy, if you, why did I bring this up? Why did I bring up this story? I can't remember why I brought up this story. But anyways, getting back to it, all I was really going on was that you have to have a coach that you're working with. Oh, that's why, because the mistakes you make can have such detrimental consequences versus the average person. Because you don't know when to stop. You don't know how to push, but you also don't know when to pull back. So you might push too hard or push too or pull back too little. And all of a sudden, you've got yourself behind bars. And so that's why if you are a social hard case, particularly if you have a personality disorder or neurological development disorder, you need to have a coach that you're working with. And X, 100% does not have to be me. 
But if it is going to be me, this is what I would say to a client, and I have many clients that have Asperger's, that I need to see your interactions before 10 of them, seeing if you can do it respectfully. But then beyond that, once, once I do deem that, okay, you're, doing, you're worthy to do work, you're okay to do work, then we're going to discern whether you're even fit to do cold approach in the day. Because in the day, the margin for error is even smaller, regardless of whether you're a social hard case or not. If you're going to go up to a random attractive woman in the day, you need to be on point. You need to be on point far more than you need to be on point in the night. Because in the night, what are people used to, my friends? Fish. In the night, you're used to just absolute jagaloons coming up to you, just drunk off their minds, pinging off God knows what, yelling out obscenities, you know, defacing themselves, embarrassing themselves, shaming themselves. That's normal at night. You know, this is fucking crazy. That's what that's why people go out at night to forget who they are. And drown their sorrows in the deep liquid courage. And to rectify their self-worth of something so fleeting. Anyways, beyond the philosophy. <laughs> that's what night is like. So you can make a lot of errors in the night and not have nearly the same repercussion that you would have in the day. Particularly if you're uh, talking to people who are not of sound minds, different if they are of sound minds. But so I'm then going to discern as a coach, are you fit to do work in the day or is it going to be better to start you in the night? For someone with Asperger's particularly, now we're going to get deeper into, into this situation right here. By the way, for you guys, what does Asperger's really mean? Well, Asperger's is on the scale of, of the autistic, autistic spectrum disorder. However, autism can be classified, and I know I have deep relationships with people who have autism, uh, or not just autism, uh, Asperger's particularly. Uh, like I said, I have some clients that have key workers, that have people that have to take care of them professionally to help them get work. If you've got Asperger's, you cannot feel empathy. You just don't have it. You just cannot feel what it's like to be another person, to put yourself in their shoes and go, I wonder what if I said, if I said to her, hey, shorty, looking real hot tonight, I want to get in that. Someone with Asperger's cannot understand how the woman would feel if you said that to her. On the same token, someone with Asperger's would not understand how a woman would feel if you went up to her and said, Excuse me, miss. I just think you look really nice today. And I would like to shake your hand. Can we be friends? You got two, ex- two extremes of the spectrum I just gave you there from a hard red pill to hard blue pill. No green in the middle. You know, someone who's just an absolute Mr. Nice Guy puppy dog, which a lot of people with Asperger's are. But then also a lot of people that have Asperger's that come into cold social dynamics, they get swept up by the hard red pillars especially if they're late stage virgins, they get swept up and they get bought into the idea, sold on the idea that just get fucking laid. And that's, that's the idea they get sold. And so that they then just go out and just treat women very disrespectfully. They don't know it's an issue though, because they can't feel empathy. That is one of the hallmarks of someone with Asperger's. They cannot put themselves in the shoes of someone else. What's another thing? Hard on routine, cannot change routines. People with Asperger's, have to do the same thing the same way all the time, every time it is absolutely moving mountains to get them to change. Another core mark of people with Asperger's is that they cannot envision the future, that it is only what is happening now. They cannot save for the long term. They cannot plan for the long term. They can only 
focused on what the short-term gain is and very self-focused in that nature. Now, a lot of the things I'm describing right now, just going into what Asperger's is, is actually some of those things I just described, you could see how they would help with cold social dynamics. You could see how a lot of the issues for people who don't have neurological development disorders and just but just have general anxiety, general nerves about going up and doing cold approach. You know, if you're a social soft case, four to seven on the scale, like actually that sounds pretty good if you could just focus on the moment and not worry about anything else in the future. Because a lot of the problems with guys in social dynamics is that they're so worried about what happens next, about what am I going to say next, et cetera, et cetera. And what is she going to think next and getting to the goal, the end goal, the end outcome. That is one thing that happens to be a pro for people with Asperger's particularly is that when they do social dynamics, if they are on, they can actually be monsters. They can actually destroy because they're not worried about what anyone else thinks. They don't care what anyone else thinks. They certainly care what she thinks, but in terms of validation, not in terms of, you know, not empathy, but they stay focused in the moment. So that's just something to offer there just as a, uh, a little bit of a nugget, but getting back on here. (laughs) <laughs> just look at the chat. Uh, Trackman comes in saying jagaloons with a laugh face, executive functioning disorders. Oh, ADHD is often uh, comorbid with Asperger's. ADHD was the other one because I'm glad you brought that up, Track, because there's actually a couple, like I've just on this notepad just written down three stories, like the names of three stories. T, the fat boy, Ryan, ADHD, and the Asperger's. I've got to get to the ADHD story in a sec. We've got to get to some stories. We've got to get to some stories. Oh, since we're on the Asperger's, maybe I should tell the Asperger's story. Absolutely inspirational. Taking some of Asperger's on his first instant date. It was amazing. Or getting him to go on his first instant date. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Chotto, chotto. I will stay on point of what I'm saying here. And what I'm saying is that day or night, margin of error. Day or night, margin of error. <sighs> if you've got potentially mild Asperger's X which is what you believe that you have, I would not send you into a cold social dynamics challenge in the day. Even if I saw your video and I deemed it respectful, I would not send you out there for a meaningful period of time without an in-person coach. If you have Asperger's, even if it's only mild, first off, I'm going to start you off in the night because the margin for error is much wider. You can make a lot more errors, even if it's coming from a good place. Margin of error is much wider. I'll start you off in the night, but at least for your first one to 10 times out, you're going to need to have a solid hand guiding you. I would not send you out solo. Now, obviously, this depends on how intense your Asperger's is, how intense your ability to read social cues is. I, I, you know, I, I can't get that. I can't, I can't just, I don't know you. I don't know you. So, you have to discern that for yourself, but I can tell you what I would be doing if that you were one of my clients. You'd be starting out in the night and that you'd be starting with a coach in field first with you in person before ever doing any major block of cold approach. And this is all just to protect against hurting yourself, hurting others and hurting yourself. That cold social dynamics for someone who's a social hard case is dangerous. It's very dangerous. If you can't have empathy for the other person or read social cues, you can cause some major damage. Like I said, one of one person I've known who got put in jail because of it. So, so that's that's the last thing I'm going to say there. Now I want to get to an inspirational story of a success story of someone with Asperger's uh, getting it done with cold social dynamics. This is great. This is so good. I told you guys today is going to be an inspirational session. 
uh, because we're going to be helping out X here. And don't worry, X, we're going to get to the date story. We're going to get to how someone with no sexual experience virgin at 29 should be handling his day three. I love that shit. We'll get our shit soon. But there's an inspirational story I have. <laughs> My friends, for the last six years of professional coaching in the world of social dynamics, the majority of my clients have been social hard cases. 90%. Somewhere fall between zero to three. Or maybe let me say this, 80% somewhere between zero to three. And then another 10 to 15% somewhere between four to seven. And then maybe if you can just slide a couple percent in there, one, one to two or 3% being naturals that have come to work with me. The vast majority over the last six years have been social hard cases to the very low end of social soft cases. And particularly the ones that I work with in person when I was allowed to travel and go and do that before COVID were the really tough cases, the real hard cases, because those are the people that need it most. There was one though, I remember very well. This is when, uh, I said this is many years ago now, uh, it's when I probably in like second or third year of coaching, a guy with, I would say, pretty noticeable Asperger's. Not so intense that you would consider him autistic because it's on the scale of autism. However, he had to have a key worker, as I mentioned before. And what the key worker does is that they check in with them once a week, sometimes multiple times a week. They go to their jobs with them. Uh, they help them get jobs. They, stay, they stand by while they're at work just in case there's a meltdown, just in case they get emotional about things, et cetera, et cetera. So he has a key worker. Not that his key worker is with him all the time. Like he's, not, doesn't, he's not with him socially. You could almost sense that I am his social key worker in a way. But no, so he's just, he's, this key worker is not here during our boot camp. So actually, this wasn't a boot camp. This was just a session. This was a friend of a friend. I will not mention any more than that to say privacy. It's a friend of a friend. And the, my friend had told him that he had been out on a session with me. Like my friend had been out on a session with me. And had seen some crazy shit, went out on his first instant date, uh, was learning to how to meet women in the day and just be direct, be congruent, be authentic, and it's pretty awesome. And he has this friend who has Asperger's, who has a really shitty social life, who at the time, I think he was like 25 and was a virgin, 25 virgin at the time, and pretty pretty noticeable, pretty significant, I would say Asperger's, I'll say significant. If you have a key worker, I would call that significant. And he said, hey, listen, maybe you should go see Adam. Maybe just go have, a, go have a session with Adam and just see what you can do and just maybe just try it out. And I don't know how he convinced him, but somehow uh, this guy came out uh, and it was, uh, I remember it was a Saturday session in Rundle Mall. Saturday session in Rundle Mall, the sun is out, people are out. And it was the first time I'd ever worked with someone with a neurological development disorder and particularly on the spectrum of autism and having Asperger's. I never worked with someone like this before, but I didn't, so I didn't, I didn't, I was not like I was up the night before reading essays on it. I just thought, hey, listen, I'm just going to treat him as I see him. I treat him as I see him. We'll put him to the test and we'll see how it goes. I'm not going to read anything into it other than what I see in the moment. So he rocks up. I take him through the trial by fires, take him through the warmups. He's slow. Like he's hesitating a lot. He's hesitating. I have to put my arm around him quite a bit, have to give him a little nudge, like have to kind of push him physically into it. And what is he most hesitating on? He's not hesitating on the spotlight effect because he's got Asperger's. He doesn't give a fuck about what other people think about it. 
He cares about what she thinks about it. He cares about whether he's going to get validated by it in the short term. And so, so he's hesitating on that, but he's still going in. He's giving these warm-ups. He's giving genuine compliments, and he's doing it in a respectful way. That's what I need. We're in here. We're going to have a good day. For the next uh, several hours, we go through direct cold approaches. And at the first, as I said to UX, it's just context and intent. A respectful stop, getting him to run all the way around the front. Surprisingly, very good at it. For someone who has very, in particular with Asperger's, they have poor social development, poor ability to read social cues. There's definitely a social hard case. This guy was social hard case with Asperger's. He was actually very good at stopping. He was very good at giving the amount of space. Of course, I demonstrated, but of course, he was very. it's very difficult when you're a beginner to get the space right. You always come in too short, which is what can piss people off. But he was given plenty of space. He was stopping women well, and he's given them the context, and he's given them intent directly. Hey, is it with my mate? And I thought you looked really gorgeous today. Had to say hi. My name is. I'm just calling him Steve-O. That's not his actual name, but my name's Steve-O. And you can always tell, the proof is always in the pudding. If he's doing it right and all of his subcommunication is on, the woman responds well. That she's going to light up, she's going to smile, even if she's not sexually polarized, which for a lot of the interactions, she's not, because it's a bit of a Mr. Nice guy, a bit of a puppy dog, still a virgin, doesn't know how to convey a masculine energy. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right? He's on the beginning, day one of his beginning of social dynamics here. So he's not sexually polarizing in the interactions, but he is leaving women with a good feeling and on a high note, and that everyone's leaving off on a good note here. Note to here. So- Let's continue. We get through the day and it's it's like, I think it's like getting toward, not sunset, but getting late over, getting late over and beautiful little brunette, beautiful little brunette girl walking by. Not that he was particularly tall. She was just particularly small. And he runs around, stops her. I'm probably, a bit, obviously I've got the microphones in. I'm like 30, 40 meters away. And it's the first interaction of the day where, they're actually vibing. Not that he knew about qualification or investment. I didn't bother to teach him any of that at that stage. This is day one. Just getting him to approach was an amazing feat for someone with Asperger's, virgin at 25, no social skills whatsoever. This is amazing that he's even doing this. He's just in the chop. He's just chopping it up with her as human beings do when they find a connection. Oh, you can handle qualification investment later. Just let him chop it up. He's chopping up with her. They're talking for quite a bit, but of course he doesn't know what an instant date is. He doesn't know that she's so hooked in that she's got nothing else to do today and that she's loving the vibe. So why not go for a walk? Why not go for a boost juice? Why not, why not go down to the river? He doesn't know that though. And even if he didn't have Asperger's, most people don't know that. Like I said, cold approach and the art of social dynamics is a trained skill set. A natural would not know how to execute an instant date effectively, efficiently, eight times out of 10 until he's been trained on how to do it. So I'm going to give him a little nudge. So I'm going to give him a little nudge. I, which a lot of my bootcamp clients will recognize this, which is at first, all I do is I just literally walk by like, you know, five, 10 feet away. And I just yell out at the top of my lungs. It's like I'm pretending to be on a phone call. I have like my phone up. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm yelling. I was just like, yeah, so I meet you down the wall. I do meet you down the wall. Let's go for a walk. Quick walk. Quick walk and I just like yell out loud quick walk down the mall and <laughs> because they're in their bubble you've got to be loud because when you've got a man or a woman in a bubble they just don't they've blocked everything else out but a lot of the times if you just yell out keywords quick walk coffee juice drink 
often clients will just get it. Like it will seep into their subconscious and I'm like, oh shit. And then later on, I'll ask them, hey, did you hear me walk by yelling out that shit? And I'm like, oh, was that you? They don't even realize it, but yeah. Okay. Uh, doesn't doesn't work in this situation. He's too deep. He's too deep in the interaction. He doesn't get that they just need to go for a quick walk. Got to step it up the next level because they're just chopping it up here. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know anything about closing. doesn't know anything about leading the interaction, but she's having a great time and they could definitely have a better time getting into a deeper bubble, build more comfort, build more trust. And remember, this guy has got Asperger's, no social skill, is a virgin, it's crazy that he's even in this situation. And so I do the last resort, which is that I actually enter the interaction, which I've had to do a few times with bootcamp clients, particularly who just aren't getting it, that this is the time for the instant date. And I just go in and, I, and I'll just not pretend to be his friend because, of course, I am his friend, but you know, I won't go in there as his coach. I'll just go in there and say, hey, yo, Steve, what's going on? Shake his hand. He's like, ah, Adam, what's good? I'm like, who's this? He's like, ah, oh, this is Stacy. Not that that's her actual name, but hey, this is Stacy. Hey, Stacy, nice to meet you. Hey, listen, guys, um, what are you up to today? Were you just going to go for a quick walk or something? Um, I've got to go meet someone soon. Yeah, you guys should just go for a quick walk, right? <laughs> Like it's it's literally like that. Like I'll say it's slower, but that's probably as much as I say. And I pretty much just hand it to them. I just say, "Hey, you guys look like you should go for a walk." <laughs> and you know, every time that I've done it, they they both like look at each other like like SpongeBob SquarePants. They look at each other like Patrick. Like <gasps> like how have we missed this? How have we missed that we've been standing here for ten minutes and we could go on a quick walk together? And so they're like, "Fuck yeah!" And as soon as I see that they get it that they realize that, what the hell are we doing? I'm a man, you're a woman. Let's see if we connect. Let's go on an instant date. As soon as I see that it just ding, ding, the light bulbs get, I bounce immediately. I'm just like, all right, guys, well, Steve, Stacey, nice to meet you. Catch you later. Jana, I just roll off. And so from there, he gets it. He's like, yeah, let's just go for a quick walk. And all of a sudden, they're walking down the mall. Now, I know this sounds like small potatoes if you're someone who practices cold social dynamics but you've got to keep in mind he has asperger's to the point where he has a key worker which means he just doesn't get social skills right very he has a couple one one or two close friends that's about it and they're quite frankly also have uh asperger's as well he's virgin he's never done cold approach before and now he's on an instant date yes i had to help him to get into it but that's more than what most guys can do without with, without having all of the limiting factors or the handicaps that this guy has. It's fucking incredible. It's amazing. So they go down the mall. They go into a, they go down the mall. They go into a coffee shop. They end up just chopping up like 15 minutes, have a coffee together. And to me, this was like, this is where the inspiration is in which that, it was the first time I worked with someone who had Asperger's that wanted to learn cold approach. And what I saw was that, yes, they, they just can't read the social cues at the same pace. I've obviously worked with people who are social soft cases, not social hard cases, who are maybe like four to seven that are just, they're getting in their own way. They just, they get in their own way. They're, they don't approach confidently. They don't start strong, right? They've got so many anxieties and limiting beliefs going in their mind that throws off their social dynamics. But if you give them 10, 20, 30 interactions, get them loose, shift their emotional state, they can do amazing things. This is different. This is someone who, never had any social ability to begin with. It's different if you have social ability, yet cannot apply it. That's the case for the average guy and the average girl in general, the average human being. The average human being just gets in their own way socially. That actually, most people are actually very good socially if they know how to shift their emotional state 
and know how to execute social skills if they can consciously, competently do so. But what stops that for most people is themselves. Is they go, I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not rich enough. She's way too good for me. He's way too good for me. I'll never be that person. I can't be that confident. I've never been told that I'm that confident person. People have always told me that I'll never be that person. It just on and on and on the paper walls go and it just affects their performance more and more and more to where it shuts it down. That's most people. If they come out with me, they do a boot camp with me, or they do sessions with me, or they just walk the journey of social cold dynamics in general and they just get tons of reps, tons of experience that shows them that when I get out of my own way, I can actually light it up. And what you find is that they're actually very good socially or good enough, consciously competent. Very different for social hard cases. Social hard cases, unless they consciously entered social hard casery, a la me. As I discussed at the beginning of the podcast, if you get too fixated on certain aspects of life and completely neglect your social dynamics, you can have social competence and bomb yourself into social incompetence. That was my story. That's We can get into that later if you want to know more about it. Just drop it in the chat. But Because when I came up, I was borderline socially unconsciously competent. Socially natural. I won't get into that story now, but I did a few things that bombed me. So it is possible to bomb yourself. But most social hard cases were naturally bombed in which that they had terrible upbringings. They weren't fostered in environments that were socially conducive. They weren't introduced to the idea of meeting strangers, of expressing themselves. In fact, the very idea of creative expression was not even welcomed or encouraged. That's most social hard cases. So they didn't even have the social skill set to begin with. So they don't even have anything to apply. But what was so inspirational about that day and seeing this this kid, this 25-year-old kid with Asperger's virgin going on an instant date where it's like, I know guys that are way more naturally gifted than him that can't do that. And yes, I had to help him move into it. But the fact that he's doing it, I've, here, let me tell you this. I've had to do that for some clients to try and get them to go on instant dates and they just flat out refuse. Just refuse because they're too scared. You know, you'll you'll give the hint. You're like, hey, you guys should go get a juice or something. Go get a coffee or something. And you, the client will be like, oh no, no, yeah, no, actually, no. How about another time? Another time we'll do that. Another time. And then we'll leave the interaction. Like, what the fuck was that about? It's like, why didn't you go deepen the connection with her then and there? He's like, I don't know. I just freaked out, man. Wasn't ready for it. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, getting in his own way, getting in his own way. But with someone with Asperger's, they don't even have a way to get in of. So it was just inspirational because it showed me what could be done. And that's why X, if you're listening to this, and I know that you are, just because you have ADHD, Asperger's, uh, autism to some degree, if you have split identity syndrome, if you have, if you are a narcissist, if you, although if you're a narcissist, you're definitely not going to be listening to this podcast. Uh, you're definitely not going to want to listen to this podcast. Whatever your disorder is, it doesn't matter how fucked up you are. You can always improve based on who you are. And I've seen this again and again. I have got endless stories of particularly of clients that were on bootcamp that social hard cases through and through that did amazing things. It's amazing what you can do if you apply yourself and give yourself a chance. And I would never give up on you, X. I would never give up on you. While we need to erect certain safety nets to make sure that when you do practice social dynamics, that you're not going to hurt anyone or hurt yourself. Once those safety nets in place, 
Make sure we can do it respectfully. Let's start out in the night where there's a large margin for error. Let's make sure you have a coach. Let's put together the three keys of relentless action, accurate feedback, sound guidance. Let's get all these things together. If you get those safety nets in place, then you you might be 29 years old right now and you might be a virgin, but that's not the end of your life. You're not a feeble old man. You're not a feeble old man. You've got at least another solid 11 years of social development before I would start looking at going, we need to completely reconstruct your life, right? From your 30s to 40s, that's still social haywire. Social haywire, social hay time. That social hay time in terms of the sun is shining on your hay. During 30 to 40, particularly as a male, your sexual market value is only going up during that time in general, right? In general. In specific, it doesn't necessarily happen that you've got to be working on yourself, but- as a man works on himself as he gets older, particularly through 30s to 40s, he only gets more attractive, right? It's not until you hit 40s that we're going to need to look at a complete life reconstruction if you haven't already got your social development handled. And I've had several clients that are north of 40. I've worked with several clients that are north of 40. And we've seen this and we've seen this and that's how I'm confident in saying that. But even for them, it's not the end of the world. Absolutely, it's not the end of the world. Had some very successful 44-year-olds, 45-year-olds, that uh, did great, did absolutely great. One who I coached in Miami and one who I coached in Adelaide as well. Those are two in-persons, but many of that were done via online as well. So what I'm saying here is, my friend, is that your life's not over. You're not a feeble old man just because you're 29 years old and that you're a virgin. I've got many clients that are virgins, many clients that are virgins, also social hard cases, also have neurological personality disorders. Get it done. Working on it. Not giving up. Never give up. Listen. Listen, the only time you can give up on yourself, X, is when you've exhausted every possible option, which means that you're dead. As I always say, my friend, you either succeed first or you die trying. You don't give up until you're dead. And that's it. That's all there is for me. Because there is nothing else for you. As a hard case... Uh, as a card case who doesn't have any social experience, social development, no sexual experience, no sexual development, yeah, the journey's going to be fucking rough. It's going to be hard. I'm not going to sit here and say that your journey's going to be as easy as some of my other clients who approached me as six or sevens and just needed a little tune-up as some of my other clients who maybe four or fives and needed quite a bit of work, but not as much work as you do. You have a lot of work to do. But to me, that should be humbling. I hope that you'd be humbled by that and find peace within that that the journey will always be your journey. You can sit and complain about it. You can sit on the computer and watch porn all day, all along. It's not going to change anything. Until you get out there, acknowledge that these are my inadequacies and this is what I need to do about them, you'll never improve. You'll never, your life will never change. Your life will not change until you do. And until you, in fact, acknowledge that I need to change, don't expect anything outside of you to. Now, now that we've pieced that up, there, there were two other stories maybe I'll pepper in. One of someone who had ADHD who was a social hard case and one who was a fat boy, a real fat boy. <laughs> like self, uh, self, self-identified a fat boy who also did amazing things. Maybe we'll get to those stories a little bit later on. Guys, if you're here in the live chat and I forget, just drop those, the fat boy story and the ADHD story if I somehow, if I forget them later on. By the way, guys, if you are enjoying this session, drop a thumbs up on the video down below. Uh, say hi in the chat. Let me know how you're feeling about it. And we'll move on. We'll keep going here. So 
We've addressed X's journey. We've addressed what he needs to do to improve his social dynamics as a hard case. Now let's get to his date story. He sent us a story about a date about a woman that he met on Hinge, and he wants to know what to do on this date. It's date, day three, I believe. Justin H comes in the chat saying, the journey will always be your journey. The truest truth. It is the truest truth. It's that big truth. It's that big, big. Thanks for sounding that off, Jay. Okay, so let's, uh, let's get this. Now that this is from the same guy. He had reached out about a woman that he's seeing, going out on a date with, met on Hinge. So I'm going to go back through it. Just keep in mind, he's a virgin, 29 years old, Asian-Australian descent. No past relationships, no sexual development, no past relationships. Please keep this in mind. He says that I met, I met this woman on, I met this girl from Hinge and we went on a date. We got along. We had our first date, which led to some nice conversations in brackets, investment really, in brackets, and a bit of close contact, Kino here or there, shoulder to shoulder, hand holding, bear hugs, head leaning. The vibes were amazing. I never felt these sparks and vibes of her, and I never felt this excitement that I felt before. I did not kiss her at all as we were sitting in a ground above level of a kid's playground full of families, kids and adults in the daytime. But we had awesome deep bear hugs before we left. But we had, sorry, sorry, move on from that. We plan to see each other again, have dinner and visit the playground at night with definitely less people under the cold night. I know I saw the day three podcast that I made about having a small event, then taking her back to your place to be in sync as one. Heart rate, yours and hers come in sync, getting a better bond. But because I have not kissed her yet, should I kiss her at the second day slash day three and leave it at that or somehow magically try to get those two things done on the same night? I know it depends on how things go and how well they go in the interaction and what she wants out of it. And this is where his English is very confusing. He said she wants someone who can vibe well and take them back home. I think he means she wants someone who can vibe well and take her back home. I believe that's what he means. I can't imagine anything else what that means. And then he goes on to say, and I'm not sure if it's for a good time or a long time. (laughs) I just like that phrase. I like that phrase. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, we can address that later. He then goes and say, I really want to go deeper, but at the same time, I don't want to lose her. I never want to lose her. That one-itis effect. I never want to lose her. So, So there's actually multiple things we need to address within this date story. So 29 years old, virgin, no sexual development, no sexual relationships in his entire life. He's asking me because they they did. But actually, let's just give him some. Let's give him some ups first. Let's give him some ups. He's telling me that on the first date they met off Hinge, but off the first date, which means there was already some mutual agreement that they liked each other. It's not from a cold approach. You know, it's not like they only spent five minutes together. They probably had some back and forward on Hinge. There's some lines being communicated, as is the nature of online dating. Can speed things up in the date process for sure depending on how fast it goes. But anyways, he gets out onto the day two. It's in the day. They're on the playground. And there's a lot of a lot of physical touch, a lot of graduation of physical touch. If you guys saw a couple of podcasts ago on hot versus cold sexual energy and the one before that as well, I think. No, 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 it was that one. 
talking about the graduation of physical touch. He's been talking about shoulder-to-shoulder touching, talking about leaning on each other's heads, talking about playing with each other's hands, I think, I believe, something like that. But at least D-bear hugs. You know, I'm going to give you some ups right now, X, that if you've had no sexual experience and that you have a mild form of Asperger's, you're 29 years old, just the fact that you're doing that is great and that she's mutually reciprocating it, that's great. Like That's a huge win in terms of, in terms of you managing the pace of yourself, not stepping outside yourself. I'm going to give you a big up point for that right there. Now, to your next question of what to do on the day three, you said you planned to have dinner. Let me just get this precisely. You said you planned to have dinner. Yes? Yes, you said we plan to see each other again, have dinner and visit the playground at night under the cold night. So here's a few things I need to throw in in terms of just day three tactics, which is, are you planning on having dinner at whose place? Her place, your place, or at a restaurant? Ideally, if the vibe was good on the day two, should be home cook, right? Split it up in terms of if you're the person who's going to be having hosting the dinner night, say, listen to her, you bring the movie. You bring the cheese and wine and the movie, I'll do the dinner, right? Split it up, give her, a, give her a little adventure, give her a little something to make her feel a part of it. Do that at your place. Or if it's going to be at her place, just flip the roles, whatever. Make it a wee thing. Make it a bubble thing. You know, particularly for someone like you who has very little sexual experience and, little very, and not the best social development, I would not recommend you guys going out to dinner on a day three, going out to dinner. There's too much social awkwardness and social lack Actually, let me take that back. Not only social awkwardness, but the presence of energy and the presence of noise. There's so much noise out at a restaurant, not only literally, but the energetic noise of people around you. If you already struggle with social skills, make it easy. Make it easy by reducing the energetic noise. If you struggle with reading social cues, which is what all social hard cases do, why would you introduce more noise to that? Cook at your place, cook at her place. If that's not possible, then just don't do the cook at all. Just set up the day a little bit later in the night and just tell her to bring a drink or you bring a drink. If you guys drink, I don't drink, but if you guys drink, whatever, you know, just bring a movie. Just set it up for the movie night then. Whatever you're most comfortable with, keep the energetic noise low. Because if you struggle with reading social cues and executing social cues, you need to be in the most calm environment possible. Remember that podcast we did about that guy who set up a day two by meeting a girl, or was it day three, I think, by taking her to a nightclub. And it's just like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> it's such a, such a bad move. Not because of the competition of there being all these other males at a nightclub. Apart from that, like, I don't really care about that. You should be confident wherever you are. But it's the fact that there's so much energetic noise at nightclub. Why would you start a date there? Mm. Mm. Terrible. So... So yes, so I'm, I'm okay with the beginning of your day three plan X in which that you're going to have dinner. That's cool. Just make it a wee thing. Make it a bubble thing. Get her to enjoy the adventure, but keep it low key. All right. Doesn't need to be some grand shit. Keep it low key. You want to make sushi with her? Make sushi with her, but you don't need to buy a hundred dollar block of sashimi. Okay. Regardless of whether you're going sashimi style later, <laughs> you don't need to bring that sashimi. So Keep it low key. Now, you said that in your plan is that you want to go back to that same playground, but at night, because that's where you want to kiss her because you weren't able to kiss her on the first day, which by the way, I'm not mad at. 
I'm not mad at you not kissing her on the first date, considering your sexual experience, which is zero. Considering that that's not something you're comfortable with, I'm very pleased that you didn't try and force the kiss on the first date. That's another big point on your win board. That's a win for you. So good job there. You might be saying, actually, Adam, you shouldn't give me a win for that because I just did it because I was too scared. (laughs) I just didn't do it because I was too scared. Okay, maybe you were too scared. But even so, for someone who has no sexual experience, your sexual pace should be throttled right down. You should be humming, humming in first gear, humming along in first gear at 10Ks an hour. That's the pace that I want you at. So let's move on from that. You said, yes, here we go. So you said that you want to visit the playground again at night because there'll be less people and it'll be under the cold night. You know that in a day three, we need to have a small event that take her back to your place to get in sync in terms of heart rate, breathing rate, and create a true bond. And I'm glad that you know that, that you listen to that part of the podcast because that's key. But you said that because I've not kissed her yet, should I just kiss her on this second date slash the day three? And just leave it there or somehow magically try to kiss her on the day three and go back to my place at the same time. So, okay, we're overthinking things here a little bit. Because my friend, you said that you're going to have dinner. Now, actually, that's what gives me the potential idea that you were thinking of having dinner with her out. Because you're saying magically bring her back to your place as if you haven't been there already. Oh, my guys, is it getting too dark in here? Is that too dark? Yeah, it's pretty dark. How's that? Is that juicy? Yeah, that's juicy. All right. Anyways, what was I saying there? You're... Yeah, so listen, 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 listen. You're overthinking things. If for some reason... Like, I just do not recommend at all that you two go out to have dinner on your day three. At the maximum, go out and have a drink somewhere, but not dinner. It's too socially awkward, too much social noise. Have dinner at your place. Have dinner back at her place. Even if you're not comfortable cooking, order Uber Eats, right? Get a Disney movie, order Uber Eats. It's not, I would much prefer you to just develop cooking skills, just learn how to cook. But because I know this is happening pretty soon, (laughs) Jesus, Uh, just, you know, have it at your place, okay? So that solves one issue, that it's not going to be some magical feat to go back to your place if the day three starts at your place, or her place, whether you guys are going to have food or you're going to have a, you know, Netflix, Disney and chill. To the more important issue of you having the first kiss of her, you said that you want to take her to the playground. Well, this issue has already kind of solved itself now, hasn't it? It solved itself because why would you need to take her to the playground at night where there's no people if you've already been to your place to have dinner and been watching a movie? That first kiss is going to organically happen, has a much better chance of organically happening over you guys once you've had dinner, once you're having a movie, once you're chopping it up on the Disney and chill. That's way more organic and way more natural. The only reason why I would think that you would not be doing that is if for some reason you couldn't bring her back to your place or go back to her place. If that is the case then the playground is not a bad option because you are going to need to get isolation at some degree. But then there's issues. Issues then appear because it's like, well, what were you doing before that? Anyways, listen, however you get to the playground, for whatever reason that you get to the playground that you chose to go there, while I do not recommend it over just some Disney and chill in a fucking lounge room, 
if for some reason that's all you had, and there are definitely situations like that, I've definitely had to use the playground many a time because we couldn't go back to her place or my place for whatever the reason. If this is the case, I'm not going to give you a play-by-play because that's not the kind of guy that I am. I want you to learn for yourself. But utilize the playground for comfort. Think about what's present at a playground that you can make comfort with the woman. When you think about I, when I was a kid, what did I love to do at the playground? Fucking swing. I want to be on the swing. You know, how many a times have you spent afternoons with your childhood friends just swinging back and forward for hours, not realizing that shit, it's past the curfew and I got to get home before mom spanks me. You know, you just, you realize that the, the swings have a, the rocking motion, it builds comfort, it puts you at ease. The very motion of swinging just puts you at ease because it takes care of you. You know, that's a great place to be in, you know, at the top of the slide where you're peeking out onto the rest of the playground just to be chopping it up there and you can look up into the stars talking about each other's lives. You can build comfort, build trust there, right? I want you to use the playground as a way to develop comfort and trust and that you're just going to need to shut the, shut the hell up. You're just going to need to shut the hell up and just let her invest, let her get comfortable, let her explore herself, let her tell you how she's feeling because if you have mild form Asperger's, if you are a social hard case, you're already very poor at reading social cues. So we need to go hard in the direction of making it easy for you to read said social cues. Shut the hell up. That is your prerogative in your day three. Shut the hell up. Say very little. Do a lot. Say very little. What does that mean, Adam? Do a lot means that I'm going to do to provide the space. I'm going to do a lot, invest a lot of energy to creating the space in which that she could come in. I'm going to do my best to create the vessel in which that she could invest within, which means that I'm going to be very conscious of, is this the most comfortable place for us to be? Is this the place, is she comfortable right now? How could I progress this? How could I lead this to make it more comfortable? Comfortable, 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 trust, developing, comfort. That's what you're always thinking about. How can I do to create that? Not what can I say to create that because the way that that happens is by you saying very little. You say less, she invests more. You say less, you listen more. She develops trust and comfort because she realizes that you give a shit, that you acknowledge her, that you feel her, and that you want to know her. That when you look into her eyes, X isn't there anymore. Pure reflection. That's what she wants to feel. So you need to get out of your own way. And that, by the way, why are we going into all this? You're thinking, where's the kiss going to come in? <laughs> it's like, we've got so deep on how to create a comfortable space. Well, now can you see why X? The reason why, if you ask me how to develop the kiss at this playground, is why I'm not going to start with the kiss, is because the kiss is a, is a recognition point. The kiss is only a recognition point of what's been developed between you and her, which is primarily attraction to begin with, and then primarily in second, comfort and trust. The balance of attraction and comfort. Attraction always comes first, followed by comfort and trust. When these two pillars are connected and flowing together with no interruption, the kiss is only a recognition of that. You should never be guessing when you go to kiss her, X. If you have to guess about whether this is going to go down or not, then this is not the time to kiss her because then it's not right. How do you know when the right time is to kiss the girl? When it feels right. The only way that it feels right is when pillars of attraction and comfort have been established, where this person is just let go. You let go, they let go. Just two children in a candy store. We're just playing. We're just playing. That is 
the hallmark of knowing when it's the right time to kiss the girl and that you should not be guessing at that. Now, that is not to say you will not second guess yourself. That is a completely different issue. You will definitely second guess yourself as to whether this is the right time. And if that happens, listen to your heart. I don't just mean that in a sappy way. I literally mean listen to your heart. When the right time happens to kiss the girl and you're unpracticed and that you're very, very nervous, your heart will go through the roof because you get that ping. You get that fuck. It is the right time. And it's like, and your heart will just jackhammer. So even if you start second guessing yourself, just notice what your heart's doing. But but build the comforting space first. Build the trust first. There is no rush. You don't have to kiss her. You don't have to kiss her, but you need to kiss her. And hopefully you understand what that means. You don't have to. The kiss never has to happen, but it needs to happen. What I'm speaking to there is the detachment from making it happen and the encouragement of progressing through the masculine to feminine dynamic that would see you guys connect on a level in which that we want this to happen. Doesn't have to happen, but we need it to happen in order for your sexual connection to progress, okay? So take it slow, pace your way through it. There's no rush. Make sure you have all night cleared. Feel the vibe between you and her. Get out of your own way. Reduce the energetic noise. Reduce your own noise. Do more, say less. You don't need to do a lot of talking. Right? You're just creating threads. You're going to create threads. What does that look like? Ah, oh, shit, get a colored thread. Hey, I want to know about your family history. I want to know about what was it like growing up with your parents. Hey, that's you hooking up a thread on this needle. Shut the hell up. Give the needle to her. Let her create. Let her create. Let her go on. Let her go on. She developed the confident trust. Create a new thread. It's you. Your job primarily on a day three is just creating threads that leads to confident trust. Make sure the physical space is correct for that. And you're going to be savvy. Now, I'm going into a lot of stuff right now, but I'm trying to keep it as simplified as possible for you because I know that you don't, you have no sexual experience. I know that you have no social development to a competent degree, but I believe that if there was one thing you could do on this day three that would be correct, that I think you could do, is just say less. Say less. Get out of your own way. Don't, have, don't force the kiss, but just make, sure, just make sure that you put yourself in a position that it could happen. Okay. Now, to the second point, to the second question of going back to your place, let's say you do all that and the kiss does go down. Your next question is, which you asked was, should I then attempt, should I leave it at the kiss? Say it goes down, should I just leave it there? Or should we then progress it back to my place after that? And I will take a break just before we start to answer that because we just went on some shit hot fire there. But we've got Mr. Justin H coming up in here saying, I feel this. I've screwed up a few day threes because I was so in my head about how to initiate the kiss or start physical escalation. I was so in my head that I wasn't present to feel the moment. Yes, Justin. I missed you in these sessions, Justin. <laughs> yes, Jay. Yes, Jay. I think every, every, man, every man and boy listening to this, um, I'm sure women as well, I'm sure my females who are listening to this as well, Every human listening to what you just said has just raised their hand. Everyone can raise their hand to what Justin just said, that we have all screwed up dates because we were so in our head about what to do rather than just doing or just being. And yeah, I feel you big time on that, Justin. You nailed that. Oh, that's the journey, huh? That is the journey. Hmm. So let's follow on with that. 
to X's next question of, let's say the kiss goes down, do we need to go back to my place? <sighs> For the average social dynamic practitioner who is learning the social skill set, I would say yes, definitely. Lead. Lead hard. When you go after that kiss, we're going to apply the one-punch man theory, which means make the big moment small and make the small moment big. You know, by society standards, the big, the first kiss is a big moment. Not in our house, not in my house. Play it off small. All right, don't overpressure it. You kiss her, leave it at a few, a few one, two, three sway motions, break it off, go back to chilling. Hey, let's go back on the swings. And she'll be like, what? What the fuck? And she'll system error in her mind. And then all of a sudden she'll start laughing and go, oh, this guy gets it. He's not overpressurizing a big moment. He's made the big moment small. I'm actually a lot more comfortable and attracted to him as a result of it. He gets social skills. One punch man theory. Which is in my advanced social dynamics podcast, uh, advanced dates podcast, I believe. We talk about one punch man theory. But very, very simply, it's just make a big moment small and make the small moment big. Give her what she didn't expect. So you show your social savviness. So once that happens after the kiss and say you play it off and you go cheeky slide, you, you kiss her and then just like a little kid, you just run down the slide or you slide down the slide, whatever you do, you have fun with it. Then all of a sudden, lead hard, absolutely. Go back to your place. But you then go, well, how do I go back to my place? Let's just chill. And let's just chill. It's just Disney and chill. If she, whatever, Disney and chill is my thing. Whatever, whatever you want to watch, whatever you guys have agreed on that you like to watch, right? Just make it really relaxed. Tea, coffee, Netflix, Disney, whatever. Back to your place. Don't don't make it a thing. Guys that make the going back to their place a thing, make it difficult. If you don't make it a thing where it's just like, I do this with everyone, whether you were an attractive female or just some random hobo on the street, go back to my place is what we do. She needs to feel that you're not making it a thing. So don't make it a thing. However, this is, as I said, for the average social dynamic practitioner. But you, X, are not. You're a social hard case who has mild Asperger's, no sexual development, virgin, no social development of any conscious, conscious competent degree. So it might be pushing your revs to get you to do what I just said. In fact, I'm not even going to say might. Take the word might out. It is pushing your revs. The, this is what I'll say. If she is so hot on you to the point where she's effectively attempting to take you back to your place, and how is this going to manifest? She'll be lingering hard, lingering hard, aka, so what are you doing for the rest of the night? So do you have to do anything tomorrow? Actually, you know, I'm not, I'm not even actually that busy tomorrow. She, the girl will send, if she's very, very hot on you and you're not leading, when a woman senses this, she will push on you in an indirect way that will indicate that I am free, that I'm open, I got time. Ideally, you wouldn't have to wait for her to do that. You would just lead. However, I'm not going to expect you to be able to perform to that degree. Theoretically, it sounds really easy. But when you're in the heat of the moment with the emotions, no sexual development, no social development, dealing with some light Asperger's, okay, it's going to be difficult to act upon that in the moment. I agree. So do your best if you can read the signal. Do your best if you read the signal that she's comfortable and that she's free and that she has time. Yeah, go back to your place. But it's not go back to your place to fuck. It's go back to your place to breathe. To feel the heart. Get heart to heart. God eye. Get lung to lung and just feel each other. Get to know each other for the first time. That's what it is. 
That's why you're doing it. If you can have that comfort about it, that's how you make sure it's not a thing. Like you won't make it a thing in your mind if you can hold that vision in mind. Hmm. So that would be amazing if you could do that. But at the same time, it's not a prerequisite. It can definitely wait to the next day. But at the same time, I would not recommend ending your day three at a playground in the middle of the night after having just kissed her. Like, it doesn't really make any sense. So at the minimum, you would walk her back to her car, your car, your if your cars are back at your place or whatever. And you know, you steal, steal the night off in a nice way. But, but you don't need to force is what I'm saying. You don't need to force the breathing, the heart, the body-to-body connection back to your place. Definitely do not need to force it for you. I'm not saying you ever, never should you force it, but I'm talking about specifically with you because I don't want you to push your revs. It's much better to get a win on the board than to attempt to go too hard, too fast, and then to ch- chalk up an L and then to completely bomb out, to freak her out, to freak yourself out. We don't want any of that. I'd much rather you just go keep yourself in third, keep yourself in second, and just keep your revs nice and comfortable. Don't need to push yourself. And make sure you get a W, all right? Make sure you get a W. And the W for you is, as I said before, describing how to get the kiss done right. But if you do feel that the kiss was done right and that she's lingering on you and would like to go a little bit further, then hey, suggest it. Or if she's really pushing on you, yeah, lead her back, but don't need to force it, okay? For you. Don't need to force it for you. Keep saying that. (laughs) It can always wait to the next time, my friend. If you do a good enough job on the day three, you do not need to be in such a scarce, needy mindset of having to get everything done tonight because I might not ever see her again. Like this is the worst mindset. Just act as if I am confident, grounded. I don't need anything. Someone just feel it out now. If you play it that way, you're always going to be solid. Even if not everything happens in, in that one night, doesn't need to because if you convey that air of confidence, of course, she's going to want a little more if your connection is mutually reciprocated. She will linger on you. If you do a good job, she will recognize it. If you don't do a, don't do a good job, she will also recognize that. <laughs> In the event of silence or recognition of silence. So getting into the social Q&A chat box right here. Who have we got? We've got Benji Solis up in here saying, it's like you create the comfortable space between each other for trust to be built, not by trying or pushing, by letting it happen. And the masculine guy is the way of good intent without thought of trying to, it creates a space for the masculine and feminine energy to naturally progress and you feel that in the moment. Kind of like letting the two energies dance between each other as it does when they are attracted to one another. Yeah. It's a nice reiteration of what we've just gone through there, Benji. You understand it. You definitely understand it. Well done there, Benji. Love it. It's, it's what I said before. We never need to make it happen, but it needs to happen. Well said though, Benji. You definitely you definitely understand the principle of of building that space for sure. So okay, my friends, I think we're pretty much towards the end of this podcast here where we can open up to open QA, where I'll give you guys time to ask any questions on anything. But just before we do, there's uh there's a little bit of an inspirational rant. <laughs> oh, there's not there's a final thing I want to say to X, which is this. X. You reached out to me because you're a 29-year-old male, basically 30, who has no sexual experience, you're a virgin, you have no social development of conscious competence, people label you as weird, 
You find it hard to get beyond surface level with people. And you just don't want to live the rest of your life by your computer screen. You know, it's it's so honest. It's so humble. I really thank you for having the courage to reach out because most people don't. You know, we've spotlighted you here in this podcast because you had the courage to reach out, but most don't. Most are going to live their lives. Those, like, I don't want you to feel like you're the only one. I don't want you to feel like you're, trust, there are, if not millions, tens of millions of guys just like you who are social hard cases that will not do anything about it, that will live the rest of their lives on Pornhub.com. And that's going to be their lives until they're dead because they didn't have the courage to face their inadequacies and say that, fuck you, I will rise in spite of, that I will walk the journey, that I will swing the hammer, that I'll reach out to someone like Adam who will brutally give it back to him, who will tell him exactly what needs to be done and when it's not being done right, you're going to know about it. And that I'm not going to ever sugarcoat the journey for you. Your journey is beyond difficult, beyond difficult. I've, like I said, I've been professionally coaching social dynamics for over six years now, traveled to different countries, run boot camps in different countries. I can't tell you how many hours of info I've broken down for clients of my own conducted sessions, just not even on the dating spectrum, but just to do with over pe- overall people's life development, total temple development. I've got a very good gauge of what type of work is required to elevate to where you want to be. The goal that you said you had, I asked you, what is the point of other social development? Why do you want to even do social development? And you said, because you just want to become confident uh, confident and competent in a level of social skill. You want to have competent level of social skill to be able to vibe with people better in life because you just don't want to stay home and live next to your computer screen. Well, to have conscious competence of social skills, what does that mean, X? On the clock face of social dynamics from 12 to 12. Conscious competence is from 6 p.m. and above, which means that you know what you're doing and you can do it well. You are aware of open qualification investment close, direct, congruent, authentic, that the idea of your 50, intent, eye contact, vocal projection, body language, and vibe, you know about all these things and you can do them very well. That's what you've told me your goal is because that's what everyone's goal should be. Social conscious competence. If you are not socially competent consciously, then that's your goal. That's everyone's goal. It's a minimum standard. But not everyone has started in the same place as you, X. I can, without even knowing you, know, I can say that you did not have a conducive social environment coming up that you didn't have natural parents. You didn't have natural friends to show you the way and to induct you into the process of social skill set to make you an eight to 10 social best case, socially unconsciously competent. But at the same time, that you, that's the case for a lot of people. And that even though that you didn't start with the best hand in life or the greatest investment fund from the moment that you were a baby, it doesn't mean that you can't take responsibility for your life. And that's what I love about what you're attempting to do here. It just means that it just means that the work, the work to do is going to be far more intense than the average person. I cannot understate that. Because I've got other clients that are in the same level as you. I've got clients that are harder off than you, but I definitely have some that are on a very similar level to you. And 
you know, this is what I always say to them, Max, which is that it doesn't take anyone longer than 10 years to transcend the journey of social dynamics. You can go from unconsciously incompetent, which is where you currently are, you're a zero, you're 12 o'clock, zero, 12 o'clock at the beginning of the journey. You can go from 12 to 12 in 10 years. Right? It's, you have to have some severe, severe neurological development disorders for that to not be the case. But saving that, which is not you, right? you definitely you likely have Asperger's to some degree, but hey, I've got clients of Asperger's that, have, that are consciously competent. I have clients, like just to say this right here for you, I have clients that are consciously competent, that have Asperger's, that have been diagnosed with bipolar, split identity syndrome, various other things, ADHD, I was going to mention RISE from before. It's not all over for you. I'm never going to be the one to give up on you. You may give up on yourself, but I'm never going to be the one that gives up on you. Even when in a year's time, let's say that you walk the journey for a year and that Let's say if right now, if you're somewhere zero to three and you're just at the end of a year's worth of work, you're 3.1 or 3.15. Like you, you barely on the scale improved at all. To me, that would be incredible. If you're, let's say being as generous as possible, a three on the scale of zero to 10, you're at the top end of hard case. You're not the hardest of all hardest cases, but you're a three. If after a year of solid work, what would that look like? First first off of the bat with a 30 day challenge with an action block spaced out every month with two month with two week breaks in between after that. So you're gonna be looking at a thousand interactions in a year minimum. We're gonna be looking at a lot of work in one year for you. Going out both day and night, a lot of in the night for you as well. If you only improved a point one on the scale in a year's worth of work, that would be tremendous. That'd be incredible. What would that look like? For you, if you're unconsciously incompetent, it just means that you're slightly less unconsciously incompetent. You barely notice the difference. I, as your coach, would notice the difference, but you within you would probably not see that much difference. You certainly, you you might spring on a couple of lucky peaches that roll down the mountain in terms of some, the validation attempt from a woman to come into your life. You might meet a woman that just... You know, she kind of settled for you, even though that, quite frankly, you're not doing the best. You're not putting forward the social skills that she needs. But hey, she kind of just decided to settle for it. Well, we would make sure that you wouldn't allow that to happen because you need to recognize that I've got more work to do. So we don't rest on the mountain when a peach rolls down. We keep fucking climbing. That is what we would make sure that we do with you. And after a year's worth of work, even if that did happen a couple of times, I would, I would still say to you that, give me another nine years. Give you another nine years worth of work. If in another, if by your fifth year in social dynamics, being a hard case who's on, who's a three out of 10, if after five years of work in social dynamic, you were 4.5, maybe a five at the most, being very generous, a five, that'd be fucking tremendous. And I say, keep working. If after seven years, eight years of work in social dynamics, so that means you'll be 38 then. Because you're, you're almost 30. So you'd be 37 or 38. If by the time you're 37 or 38 and you've done seven to eight years of cold social dynamics to the highest degree and you were a 6.5 to 7, wouldn't it be worth it? That'd be fucking tremendous. Because what is that? What's the 6.5 to 7? That's the top end of socially competent. That's social soft case, socially competent, which means that at that stage, you're reading social cues now. 
you're able to learn, you're able to read social cues and execute on them to actually perform social dynamics. You're actually able to go out and actually meet people and actually have people attracted to you and want to be around you. You said before in your message that my goal here is I just want to be able to vibe with people better in life. Well, that's what that is. That's where you would be in seven to eight years if you worked hard for not every day, but for a vast majority of each year for the next seven to eight years. Wouldn't it be fucking worth it? And guaranteed within seven to eight years worth of work, if you reach a level of 6.5 to 7 on the scale of uh, social skill set, you're going to meet a few women that you're definitely connecting with and that they're not just settling, that they actually recognize that actually X is a pretty good guy. He's actually doing some pretty good shit and I would like to spend some time with him. Again, we would make sure that you get humbled on not resting on the mountain. Keep fucking climbing. Keep fucking climbing because I want to see you walk for 10 years. And this is a very different discussion that I'm having with you than I'm having with other people. You always hear me say to people, conscious competence is the minimum. As long as you enter 6 p.m., which is at a minimum 5 out of 10. It's a 5 out of 10 at a minimum on social skill set, but that's the absolute minimum. That's like you're barely teetering. We would like you to be roughly around a 7. A 7 out of 0 to 10 on social skill set, which is the top end of social self-case, that is somewhere, that's probably about 8 p.m. 7 7 to 8 p.m. It's in the chunky middle of conscious competence. I always say to people that minimum standard conscious competence, but not for you because you're a hard case. You know why? Why? That's not fair. Surely it should be even less for me because I'm a hard case. No, that's why it's more. The reason why social hard cases need to stay on the journey longer, even past the point of reaching minimum competence, is to make sure there is no regression. I never want you to go back. Once you experience conscious competence, I want you to be cemented in it. As a social hard case, you know the pain more than anyone else. I was once there myself. I bombed myself into social hard casery. I know what it's like. I've worked with them for the last six years. I know the pain. I know the psychological destruction that happens for social hard cases, and I never want you to go back. So if you do all this work, finish it. Finish it. Complete the journey. I don't need you to be unconsciously competent. You can certainly shoot for the sky for that. But I need you to cement yourself for a good year or so past the point of being consciously competent. Sit, cement yourself there. Sit yourself down in there to make sure that you never have to do this again. That's your journey for the next zero to 10 years. That's from today to the next 10 years. That's your journey. It might not take you 10 years, but I'm always extrapolating out for worst case scenario. It might only take you five years to get to conscious competence, but be prepared for 10. It might only take you three. Be prepared for 10. Be invested for 10. And then you might think, what happens after 10 for those who are really hard case? Then we look at complete total life redevelopment. But because then it's got nothing to do with social dynamics. But X, X, being a virgin, being a virgin, sex should be the absolute last thing in your mind. And I know that that just sounds ridiculous because like, how could it not be? It should be the last thing in your mind because... It's the least important. Sex for you is the least important thing. Sex is only a recognition of what you can display and execute as a masculine being. Sex is not a transaction. Sex is a recognition of how well you can take care of her. Psychologically, physically, spiritually. Transcend to a level in which that I'm not here, she's not here. It's only one. If you can reach that point of recognition, sex happens on its own. Never have to force it. Sex will never be an issue for you 
if you reach a place in which that I can execute to such a level in which that not only do I not need sex, but it's purely just an endpoint of recognition. Never needed to happen. I was always good. I was good the day before. So I'll be good the day after. You embrace the detachment. For virgins, it's the hardest thing I know. Because sex is the number one thing they want. Because they are, in fact, virgins. You're a late stage virgin. You're almost 30 years old. Please, please hear what I just said. If I, as someone who is socially, unconsciously competent, which means that 8 to 10 on that scale of social skill set, social skills are, they, I don't have to think about them. If I'm telling you that sex is never an objective, a prerogative, an idea in my mind, it's never something I'm ever working towards. I'm never in my mind I'm saying, yeah, better get sex tonight. Oh yeah, better fuck it tonight. No, no, no. If I'm telling you that, that is never something that ever goes through my mind. Why should that be okay for you? If someone who's unconsciously competent in social skill set doesn't think about sex, why should someone who's socially incompetent think about it? You see what I'm saying here is that your journey to sex will be in realizing that you never needed it to begin with and that it is replaced with the journey of developing yourself. I would much rather, and this might sound brutal, I would much rather that you go through the next 10 years of social development not having sex, just keep keep stalling yourself, keep getting to the point of just meeting her out in the bar on the day, going out on your day two, having a beautiful moment, kissing, connecting, feeling the energy between you two, feeling the universe within each other, getting back to your place, feeling the hearts within each other, looking at each other's eyes, destroying yourselves, coming into the one and stopping it right there. Stop it right there and never go into full sexual penetration for the next 10 years and just learn again and again and again and just ingrain the idea that I never needed this. And if you could embrace your journey with that sort of love, the love for the sake of doing the action for the sake of doing the action, you would find that the women that you interact with push hard, that they would just push on you to make that final connection. Because if you can demonstrate the love that I just showed, that is what brings someone in. When they feel that you don't need it, that's when they want it. That's when they want it. It's not to say that I want you to destroy your masculine energy and not have sexual energy. It's the complete opposite, actually. It's because of your circumstances. Being a 29-year-old virgin that has light Asperger's, no social development whatsoever, it's that I just want to ingrain the idea in your mind that your journey towards sex isn't realizing that you never needed it. And that I would love to just be a fly on the wall. I'd love to be on a fly on the wall with you in, one, in the next zero to 10 years and you just happen to be there lying on the rug of a girl and she's just in your arms. She's feeling you. You're feeling her. It's the most beautiful moment. And if I could somehow hear the thought process in your mind and all I could hear was this. Just complete, total presence. That's when I know you would be okay to have sex. That's when it's fine for you to go and lead into sex. Sir. It's, it's when you can reach that point of which that I never needed it. So I can just be here now. And also for guys that deal with erectile dysfunction, that's primarily the problem. 
if they haven't had a motorbike accident, it's because all the blood flow is going to their brain because they're thinking so damn much. You could just get to that, that peace within you. You haven't said to me in your email that you have problems with sex, but I have many clients that are virgins. Many, many clients that are virgins. And I know what goes through their minds. It's insatiable. Cannot be satisfied. The hunger to finally just get it over and done with. It might not even make sense what I'm saying to you right now. But maybe it will in a year. Maybe it will in five years. And I hopefully that because I made this podcast for you, you come back to it. Always come back to it. And I'll finish it with this before we get to open Q&A. I said it before and I said it again next. I will never give up on you. Even when you don't believe in you, you believe in the me that believes in you. In the wise words of Guru Lagan. You believe in the person who doesn't know you, but knows of the journey and the pain that you need to go through. Because I believe in that journey more than anything else. I had to go through it myself. I put many others through it. I've helped guide many others through it. I've seen people that have been harder case than you that have gone through that journey and got it done. There have been people in worse situations than you've ever been in that have got it done. You can get it done. You don't have to live in the com- next to Pornhub.com on your computer for the rest of your life. You can get the shit done and I'll believe in you till the day you die. Your journey's not over until you die. And even then, and even then, <laughs> so... X, I thank you so much for sending in the story to wrap up season six of Social Q&A, which might even be the last Social Q&A ever. This might be the last episode of Social Q&A. But anyways, my friends, if there are any questions like open q and I've got some time. I've got some time. Let's say 10, 15 minutes. If you guys got any questions from your lives, from your point of view on the world of human interaction, social dynamics, dating, relationships, go ahead and drop it in the chat box. I'll give 10 to 15 minutes for... Uh, open Q&A, there is the super chat option. If you'd like to get your question bumped to the top, donate to the channel to help support this content. And uh, that's that's most appreciated. Certainly not necessary, but most appreciated. And if you guys are enjoying the session, don't forget to drop a thumbs up on the video down below. If you're listening to some posts, drop me some comments of any big truths, any big bigs that you might have had. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to read out some comments. And if there's any time for open Q, any open Qs, yeah, Justin's got an open Q. We'll get some open queue. Open Q&A, let's go. Okay. Oh, Jay Noob popped in the chat earlier saying, just dropping in to wish love. Drop a like and say, oos, my kyodai, with a shaka. Uh, it's probably very, very late for Jay Noob, so I appreciate you dropping in, Jay. Sleep well. Uh, Distracon says, yo. Hello, Distracon. Benji Soles comes in saying, by the way, to strike on, you've got to update your profile picture. Uh, it's got to be an avatar of either yourself or an avatar that looks identical to you. Uh, who we got next? Benji comes in saying, can't give enough appreciation for your work. I hope it reaches a lot more people out there who needs it. I'm crashing in for the night. Much love with the peace. Thank you for the recognition, Benji. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the support. Uh, I appreciate you being here. I really do, man. I hope you sleep well and develop well in your journey. Thank you. Justin H. now comes in saying, as long as X values the process over the outcome, he'll be just fine. Definitely. Question. Okay, here comes the first question for open Q&A. Let's do it. Justin comes in saying, what are some tips or the methodology for being a good wingman at the bar slash club or house party setting? Okay, we're changing gears here entirely. Here they go to say, I have a more... In quotes, marketable skill set 
aka can dance, more social, etc. And I'm conventionally, in quotes, more attractive, in quotes, than some of my friends. They give me crap <laughs> from time to time about being a bad wing, so I want to improve. Okay, Justin, I have an entire podcast on how on wing dynamics, on how to be a good wingman. I have an entire podcast on it, so I'd recommend you dive into that, but I can definitely, because in this open Q&A, I can definitely just give you some hot, some hot stuff now. But if you want to dive in deeper, just it's an old Bordojo podcast. Just type into the channel. It might be like episode 30 or something. I don't know, somewhere around there. But more to your question, being a good wingman. Okay, listen, the key criteria to being a good wing, wingman, Justin, is that you need to be able to hear your wing's thoughts. You need to be able to hear what your wing is thinking. And what that means is that you should only be winging with people that you would die for, that you would face the invading hordes with, that you would want them on the wall with you. The reason why I say that is because any tactics that I then give you will not be effectively executed if you guys don't have that level of trust, if you don't have that level of respect, if you don't have that level of agreement between each other that we're actually here to benefit each other. One of the main principles of wingmanship is that I do more for him and that if both wings think this way, that I will go above and beyond for him. If both of them think that way, then in any individual scenario, you're always going to get a win. That's the philosophy behind wingmanship. Choose and select your wings very carefully. Do not just ask some random guy or some loose affiliation, or some loose friend. No, no, no. This should be the guy that you can, if you murdered someone, you would tell that person. That's the level I'm talking about. Otherwise, it's much better just to go alone. Now, in your particular question, I'm just giving you some general philosophies and general concepts here, but you said that people have told you that you're a particularly bad wig. So... What that tells me, or you would have you have to ask them actually. I'll need to get them in this session for them to describe to me what do you what do you mean Justin's a bad wing? What does he do that's bad? What's a common thing? I can just give you some common things now that classify a bad wing. Number one, that they don't put their wing above them. So let's say that you're at a house party and that your friends were getting in. Let's say there's three of your friends and there were three girls on the couch. They were chopping it up. They were talking, and then. Uh, I don't know, say that a couple extra girls, let's say one extra girl came in, so now it's an unbalanced dynamic. And now there's one girl who's kind of paired up. So your friend has now got the girl that he's interested in and her friends next to her. He's finding it very difficult to handle the interaction because the other two guys are one-on-one with the other two girls. And so they need old Justin here to come in and help out. Now, what a bad Justin would do is that either, number one, he wouldn't go in at all. He would just focus on himself. Or number two, if he does go in, he still only focuses on himself so that he wouldn't first and foremost identify which girl is it that my friend is interested in. Another huge issue with bad wingmanship is that they don't take the time to read the vibe. Which one is it that my friend's actually most interested in? All you have to do is just shut up, shut up and just observe the interaction because your friend's already been running it for a decent amount of time and just see which ones he got more connection with. Oh, I will go ahead and interact with the one that is not that. Bad wingmanship, they just go for either the most attractive woman or if you talk about girls here, the guy. I know you're not a girl, Justin, but I'm just always thinking about the females that are listening to this. 
they are just they just go for self-service. They go for self-service. So hopefully you're not that guy who's just going for self-service. Another bad, uh, another not a bad thing, but another, th- well, no, it is a bad thing. Another thing that you could be doing wrong, Justin, is that you could be overpowering the interaction. Bad wingmanship is by outdoing and outshowing your friend that you're supposed to be helping out. Now, I'm not telling you to rub your shine. I'm not telling you to go ahead and spray paint your shine and just cover it all up. What I'm saying is, is be empathetic that if you've got a friend who's either struggling in the interaction or who's just not as charismatic and attractive as you, naturally, help him out. Boost him up. Rather than springboarding on him, if you know springboarding, rather than springboarding, which is a terrible wingmanship move, that's really bad wingmanship, instead of springboarding off of him to make yourself look even better because of how bad he looks, how about boosting him up? Give him a boost, right? Pump him up. Even to a certain degree, you know, in a joking way, self-degrade. Not only in a joking way, I'm not telling you to take that seriously, but, you know, do it in a way that would pump him up, that helps him up, pump his tires up, right? If you've got someone who's less charismatic than you, that's one thing that you could be doing. You could be blowing your wings out. I would need more context from your friends as to what it is specifically that you're doing that that could be pissing them off or could make them say that you're a bad wing. That's some things to chop on. But in general, good wingmanship is that you select the wing that you would ride or die with that can hear your thoughts in concept that you, not just in concept, but in practical application, you put their well-being above yours. You're always trying to help them out first and foremost so that if you're going into their interaction, you help them. If they're going into your interaction, they help you. Or if you're both in the same interaction, you help each other. It's always about helping. It's never about trying to take from each other and that if you overblow, if you if you recognize that, because you mentioned before that you have more marketable skill set, you can dance, you're more social, you're more attractive. Are you saying that your friends think you're a bad wing because you just take the girls off them? Is that what you're saying? Because if that's what you're saying, that's what I'm saying. That you could be trying to outshine them, and you might not be consciously doing it. The way to not outshine them is to just pump their tires, help them out, help them out. Okay. Uh Moving on to the next question. We got, we got Manish Giddy who comes in saying, if you love your girlfriend, you got her through cold approach, do you continue gaming or stop? Uh, okay, that's very, very general, Manish. However, I would remove the word gaming because it's, why would you? You're probably not someone who follows my content very well, but just let go of the idea of pickup and gaming. Uh, in terms of the only reason why we would do cold approaches to improve ourselves in the process of learning about ourselves in relation to others. It's just going out and improving our social skill set. But beyond, I don't want to get into all, all that right now, but it's a very short question. To get more to the point of your question, if she's a monogamous partner, you shouldn't be going out with sexual intent to meet other people. If you want to have sexual intent to go meet other people, you need to construct the relationship that would allow for that which is known as open and free, casual, open relationships. Okay. Otherwise, don't. 8% Disciple then comes in saying, yo, Adam, I'll add an avatar next time. Oh, 8% Disciple. I've told you before, mate. I've told you before. If you, gotta, if you wanna ask a question, you gotta have a profile picture. Mm-mm. And hey, there might not be a next time, my friend. There might not be a next time. Let me read your, I'm going to read your question silently. If it's a good question, I'm going to read it out, but you've broken the rule by not having a profile picture. And you know the reason, you know the rule. So that's disgraceful. 
I'm going to read your questions to see if it's, it's if it's a really good question. I'll let it slide. Okay, it's a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. I'm going to let it slide just because it's super relevant. If it wasn't super relevant, I would have completely skipped it. But if we do another session, you're not letting that slide. Okay. 8% disciple comes in saying, without the profile picture, saying, how does an ex-hard case that progressed on the journey to conscious competence get back on the program after a long period outside the journey? So you said that you progressed on the journey to conscious competence. What I need to know is, well, what that tells me, 8%, is that you didn't cement your skill set within it. What that means is that you might have got teetering between unconsciously sorry between consciously competent let me reverse that somewhere between five to seven on the clock face which is consciously incompetent you're teetering between that and consciously competent the reason why i know that is because you can't regress from conscious competence if you cement within it if you get to 8 p.m and above seven and a bit you're never going to regress so what that tells me is that you just didn't put in enough work when you finally reach conscious competence, you likely rested, you likely got some validation along the way and you gave up on the journey or you paused the journey, so to speak. So you're saying that you're coming back for whatever the reason, maybe you got in a relationship or whatever, or maybe you just found it too tough, whatever the reason is. How do you get back on it? Well, you need to treat yourself like you're consciously incompetent because you are. You're not unconsciously incompetent if you've taken a long time off because you can never not know, but you're definitely consciously incompetent. So you have to treat yourself so, which means that relentless action, accurate feedback, sound guidance, which means that you need to get hardcore confidence back in the fact that I am consciously competent, which means that if I was with you or if you were one of my clients, I would start off with a 30-day challenge as an analysis tool to analyze where are my issues, am I, where am I on the clock face, and then action blocks after that to discern how much extra work needs to be done to fix up certain issues we found within the 30-day challenge analysis. That's what I'll do with you, okay? The only reason why I read that out is because it's, uh, it was relevant to the topic. You're you push, you scan on thin ice, mate. Benji Solis then comes in saying, before I go, I've got a question. Any tips on how you could get into the moment with a group of people? I've had anxiety with that, such as being unable to hold my ground slash frame and falling into others. Great question, Benji. He goes on to say, kind of like getting out of the middle of the herd and creating your own frame. Great question, Benji. I love this one. So there's two ways of tackling this, either macro or micro. We can go macro in which that, what you're essentially asking to do, because you're saying, how could you get into the moment of a group of people? You lose your ground slash frame. I think what you're really trying to say is, how do I become the center of focus? How do I run the group? How do I lead the group? I sense that is the end point with what you're saying because, you know, you can get into the moment with being a follower, being a sheep, by still being, you know, by not really being a focal point of the group. Like, I'm not sure who who anywhere would want to be the follower or the sheep unless unless you're just a fucking sheep, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, but Benji, I don't know if that's not you. So I would switch that to more, I would just reframe the point of your question to becoming the focal point, leading the group, setting the tone, setting the pace. The person who sets the tone, sets the pace is the alpha always. And get beyond just the 10,000 BC idea of what an alpha is. Let's get into a little more nuance, sociodynamically of what an alpha is. The alpha, as I said before, sets the tone and sets the pace, right? Takes control, takes lead, takes command. 
When an alpha does that socially, what that means is that he instigates the threads. He's not just creating on threads that other people instigated. What you find when you fall into the rhythm of a group and you become a follower and you become a shape, uh, sheep is that you stop instigating threads. You stop getting the thread out, aka, all right, guys, so let's talk about this or let's go on this, or let's go do this, et cetera, X, Y, Z. You stop having the courage to do that and now you just wait on others. You see, okay, is someone else going to bring up a topic or bring up something or suggest we do something? And then I'll just play off that. It's literally the dance between fighters. It's the dance between masculine and feminine energy in which that only one person can lead and only one person can follow. In a group, uh, one, just one-on-one, that principle maintains. In a group, that principle maintains. Only one person can lead. Only one person can dictate the leadership in a group and be the focal point in a group benching. However, there are often multiples that want to be that person. So if you've got a particularly charismatic group with a lot of alpha masculine beings within that group or for alpha females as well, right? they're not just going to give up that focal point and that lead quickly. What it is is that it's a game of or a adventure of who stops creating threads. The person who enters followership first gives up leadership. That's what it's more something of when you get people that are vying to be focal points of groups. What you find is that when someone finally assumes that position, it's not because they won some battle to the death and they just destroyed the other person. It's more because the other people just recognize this person's just got way too much for me. This person's got way too much energy in the bank. And when I say energy, I mean, he's just more committed to making sure that he runs the pace, sets the tone and wants to lead at a very core level. That's, I know that your question was about being in the moment, but you can't be in the moment if you're anxious and nervous because you're always following someone else or someone else. Now, does this mean you always have to be the focal point of the group? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's fine for you to just chill, but there's a difference between chilling in a group and then just being a sheep and just being a follower. You can very rarely, uh, readily see in a group of particularly if you've got several mascul- masculine alpha beings within it, that a couple of them will just chill out. They just relax. They don't need to be the focal point. The other person's got it, right? But if they wanted to, if they wanted to take back focal point, all they would do is just start creating threads and just battle it out of creating threads in terms of instigating uh, what is being talked about, what is being done, right? And if the, obviously it's always underpinned by mutual reciprocation. You can't just start talking shit and think that that's going to make you the leader or the focal point. <laughs> you know, you've obviously got to have a vibe for the group. You've got to be able to read the group and what they're interested in and uh, what the energy is between them all. And that's something that, quite frankly, you become very good at through just one-to-one interactions because the dynamics of a group are much easier than one-to-one because in the one-to-one, every mistake Every mistake is on point in terms of it's being shown, it's focused on, it's a spotlight. In a group, there's so it's a lot more energy. So if you make a mistake, you can recover a lot more. You make a mistake in a one-on-one interaction, both people know very quickly. So what I would say then is that drill your one-to-one interactions and then take the principles that you learn from that because leader to follower exists just as deeply in a one-to-one interaction. Take that and apply it in your group dynamics. Recognize when I want to chill. Recognize when actually I would like to create some focal point here. And the way that I'm going to do it is by managing the pace, setting the tone, by creating threads, 
discussion points, leading points physically to different environments, etc. Okay. If you, you also said before, and actually you said before as well, you you can't hold your ground and you break your frame falling into others, kind of like getting out of the middle of the herd, creating your own frame. Yeah. Part of it, a big part of maintaining your frame or maintaining that focal point is just being so confident in yourself that it's okay if they hate me. The people you actually, that do well in groups are the ones that are very comfortable with being hated. They really just don't care if, if you hate them. They don't care if you love them either, but that's what makes you love them. That they really just don't care. It seems that you care a lot. Get to work on not caring. Cold social dynamics. I teach you that very well. So 8% Disciple had added a little more context before saying, I went from total anxiety to social cold approaches and doing amazingly, but now it's tough to get back to it after a divorce. Work issues as a result of divorce and lockdown. So basically declines since 2017. Thanks for the amazing content. Working on applying for the Bowl Facebook group. Hey, my man. Wishing you the best on your journey. Change your profile picture ASAP. I thank you for reaching out always, my man. No one's journey is easy and the journey will always be your journey. Have peace within that. Have peace within that. Your divorce and your lockdown, everyone's got their shit to deal with and that I'm not going to give up on you either. Until you're dead, you have a chance. Okay. W then comes in to say, what should you do if his friend likes this girl, A, yet friend B is showing some real interest in him? Would re-guide him to B or the one he likes, A? Wingman. What? What? This is very confusing, W. He said, what should you do if his friend likes girl A, yet friend B is showing some real interest in him? Okay, I think what W is trying to describe is that imagine if you've got two guys, two girls, your friend started the interaction talking to the two girls, you came in, and he's interested in girl A, but friend B is also showing interest in him. He's asking, what would you do as the friend who comes in? Is that what you're saying? If I don't know, you've worded it so strangely, I don't know if that's what you're saying. But yeah, and I'm sure because it doesn't make sense. That doesn't really make sense. That question. It's just really hard to visualize. If that was, if if I've got it right, if what the way I've described it is right, then <laughs> then you and both girls and both girls are interested in him. Then you know there's nothing doing with that. This you, there's nothing you can do about that. In which case, there's no need for wingmanship. W. There's no need for wingmanship if both girls are interested in him. If because that's what you said. He said, "What if his friend likes this girl A? Yet friend? Oh no! I think he's saying something different. I think he's saying that the his male friend likes girl A, but it's actually girl B that's showing real interest in him, and maybe girl A is not. Is that what he's saying? I think that's maybe what he's saying. If that's the case." Yes, that's, that's what you mean by would you re-guide him to be. Yes, okay, I get what you're saying now. So, okay, very difficult, but I've got my head wrapped around it. So, let's just refresh this. Your friend is interacting with two girls at a house party. Girl A is the one he's interested in, but she's not showing that much interest back. But girl B clearly is. You come in, you can see this. For some reason, he can't see this. That's the situation we're dealing with. W is asking, would you re-guide him to B, as in would you try and point out the fact that actually this is the girl that's in- 
interested in you or would you would you just help him connect more with girl A and you handle girl B? That's a bit of a tricky situation because it depends on the level of interest A is showing him, girl A is showing him. If it's complete disinterest, then I would very much regard him to B. Then I would just... I'll take him for around the shoulder. I just, you know, I just say, "Listen, listen, ladies, just for a second, I've, I've got to, I've got to pass on some secret information to my friend here." I turn him around. I whisper in his ear. I'm just like, "Listen, you know, blondie. If it's say the girl A is blonde, and let's say brunette is, uh, girl B, I say, listen, blondie's not feeling this at all, but B is digging it. Blond- uh, brunette is digging it. Blondie not feeling it. Brunette is digging it. Uh, wake up, wake up. Like you know, that's that's the most I'd say to him." And I regard him, but that's only if girl A was showing quite a lot of disinterest and he's really not getting it. Hopefully your wing's not that poor though in social skill set. But if it's only just a neutral, like lukewarm, and it's just that girl A is not necessarily super interested nor super disinterested, but it's just so clear that girl B is, then I wouldn't try and re-guide him to girl B, right? I would let him, I would just give him more time with girl A. I would still go to girl B and I'll still interact with her. And I'll give him time to develop with girl A. And based on what happens from there, like see if they can develop a connection. If they can, great. If they can't, then if he's not interested in girl B, there's nothing in the world that's going to make him interested in girl B, no matter what I do. So the final answer to your somewhat difficult question here is that, like just the way it's phrased, is that just give him time to develop with girl A by handling girl B. You don't need to tell him who he should be interested in unless he's just so socially poor that he just can't read the signal. Hopefully he's not that socially poor. Okay. Benji then comes in saying, my God, just dropped a golden nugget. (laughs) Much thanks with the deuces. No worries, Benji. I love it. Thanks very much, mate. 8% then comes in saying, thanks, Sensei, with the prayer. Hope this avatar is okay. 1971 Bangladesh Freedom Fighter insignia. Material grandfather was a volunteer. Well, it hasn't updated in my chat yet, but it must be an avatar of either you or an avatar that looks identical to you. I can't see it yet, but it might not just have loaded up yet. Just got to go to Gmail and update it. And I thank you for doing that. And Dobby comes in saying, thanks. All right, my friends, this has been the last. Uh, if you guys didn't notice, I adjusted the time zone. I adjusted the time that we started social Q&A. We're doing it four hours later than we normally do. That's because it's uh, Anzac, Anzac Day weekend, Anzac weekend, to mem- uh, remember those who were fallen in World War One. So we changed it today. However, this is the end of Social Q&A Season 6, and it might be the end of Social Q&A in general. Uh, I dropped that nugget earlier before. By the way, Kakashi comes in saying, Love today's session. Arigato. Doitashimashite. Honten arigato gozaimashita, Mr. Haruka-san. Here's the end of Season 6. We've done 12 episodes in a row, 12 weeks in a row. It's been fucking hectic. This has been... Definitely by far the best season. The average has been four hours, four and a half hours each session. There have been six-hour sessions, a lot of five-hour sessions, uh, only like one or two that went for two hours. This session's been going for, what, two and a half hours? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's intense. It's very intense. And with the changing of time zones over the last three weeks, I noticed that live class engagement went down to almost – almost zero. And I think that was just because of the time zones. So I just wanted to fuck with it today and just push the session four hours later. 
uh, in the bowl sip. That's where I communicate with you guys outside of these sessions a little more professionally. It's a free email on balldojo.com. Links down below on YouTube. Just sign up, put your email in. And I suggested that for season seven, if we do do a season seven of social Q&A, that I would adjust the time zone to allow Europeans to actually make it. Because for the entire history of social Q&A, it's always been geared for Americans, just because it's more of you. Uh, however, I'm open to changing it. It's been seven, six seasons in a row that we've always been on a US time zone. That makes it easy for them to come. But I'm potentially thinking about changing social Q&A to Friday mornings. Friday mornings, which is like 7 a.m. here in Australia, which would be Thursday night, Thursday 8 p.m. I think, 8, 9 p.m., something like that in the UK. It would be a lot easier for Europeans to come. I'm looking for you guys' feedback. You can either send me a DM on Instagram at uitang1, double O-I-Tang1, uh, or email me at adam at balldoja.com, balldoja.com, sign up on the email there. Yeah, so I'm not sure what's going to happen with social Q&A, whether we even just go back to Baldojo podcasts, or maybe we might do one episode where I try European time zone and we'll see how that goes. Not, you know, with a European time zone, US people can make it as well, but it's just more favored to Europeans. Anyways, we'll see what happens. And whatever happens, I thank you guys so much for being here. Today's uh, session was really good, actually. You guys, particularly in the open Q&A, you guys were engaged. It's refreshing. It's good to have. And uh, some faces that I haven't seen in a while. And for my man X, for my man X, the man who featured story in this session, I'm always with you, man. I'm always with you. Whether you become a client of mine or not, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that you're searching for cultivation and truth and the improvement of yourself. And that to me is humble and that to me is honorable. So thank you. And Justin H comes in saying, thanks for answering my question for a great session, Adam. Double prayers. Always wishing you the best. Thank you, Justin. Always wishing you the best. Haven't seen you in a long time. W gives me a fist bump and a wave. So my friends will wrap the session up there. Until, until, until next time. I'm wishing you guys the absolute best in your lives. Much peace and much joy. Oh, yes. John, yeah, that was so good. I was going to say John at the end. I forgot. That was so good that I forgot to finish the actual outro. That slap and bump at the same time was amazing. <laughs> Thank you very much for making it all the way through this session for your presence and for your attention. If you actually made it to the end, that's, that's incredible because these sessions are often minimum two hours. And hey, you're my kind of person. If you got that kind of attention and commitment to your development, shit. <laughs> get excited by that so before you run off let me just hit you with a couple of reminders if you haven't signed up to the bowl sip weekly email it's free bowldojo.com keep you updated over there the best place to connect with me outside of these youtube live sessions and podcasts is actually on instagram at uitang1 double o i tang one you guys can see all the behind the scenes you can see i post a lot of fitness health all the artistic shit if you watch the story a lot of the meditations as well that i go through each day and each night and it's a great place to do dm me directly with your personal context to give me feedback on different sessions different parts of this etc so how do we take one on instagram i hope to see you there I'd love to see you there. And of course, if you would like to help support the channel, you can donate directly through boldojo.com underneath the podcast section or at paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I, Adamui. Anything that you guys donate is always super appreciated. And for those of you that would like to take your development to the very next level and make sure that you're on the right course, doing the right things at the right time, well, 
one-on-one Skype coaching or the guided meditation internal energy. That's all available to you at boldojo.com. Listen, guys, the birds outside are going haywire, so I better wrap up this outro. It's the time of my life, getting to go back and forward with you in these live sessions, chopping it up, getting to really know who you are. And so I thank you so much again, and I look forward to seeing you in the next session, truly. Wishing you the absolute best in your lives. Much peace and much joy. Ciao.